everyone, welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. I'm Danielle. And I'm Ross Radke. What? Ross is back! Ross. Ross Radke. Hey everybody, it's the Hellboy Podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics and sometimes some books, and now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. No, Ross is going to do it. Um, <laughs> so what happens is you guys will listen to the uh, book club talk about these comics, Mm-hmm. And then probably you guys are going to read the comics, and after you read the comic, you're going to listen to the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> then a uh, comment. Uh, yeah, this is harder than it sounds, <laughs> even, to do it, even to do it this poorly. Don't forget, friendship. That's friendship. right, in friendship. Thank you, John. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Ross. Uh, we had Ross so much fun. In the house. I know. We had so much fun talking with you on our crossover special yeah. and i wanted to have you back for like a regular actual book club episode yeah. you know because the crossovers are kind of a weird thing and uh yeah so anyway i'm so glad you could join us again I'm this excited. week it's gonna be interesting yeah thanks for having yeah. me and i want to make sure to mention yet another buff holiday raffle going on at mike Manuel's art on facebook this runs until december 31st at midnight pst that's the time zone there's over 40 prizes. There are so many oh, prizes shit. that have been announced. You know, you can go and you can check out. We had Craig on to talk about the different artists, but now you can go see what those commissions look like. Um, they're really amazing. And remember that the raffle, all the donations are going to benefit the V Foundation for Cancer Research, the COPD Foundation, Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, and Sarah's Fight for Hope, which provides support to families impacted by childhood cancer. And Ross, you're one of the contributors of the prizes. Yep, I'm offering up a set of six of the art cards, kind of like the ones that, that uh, awesome. we did for you. So, yeah, those, those um, are so good. Same, oh, same deal where the uh, whoever gets that one gets to pick which characters they want. Man, that is so cool. Awesome. That's a great deal. Nice. And, um, and a set of six, you said? Yep. Man, that's that's a really good prize. And for the little image, Craig actually used the cards that I got oh, as, wow. the, as the example. That's great. You know, they're I, great. I, I mean, saw them before you did. I think I sent him that picture <laughs> when he asked if I wanted to contribute, and I was like, "Well, actually, yeah." Whoa, that's awesome! <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, you did a fantastic job with those, so uh, anybody would be lucky to win that prize. That's amazing. Yeah, and there are, right now there are over forty prizes. I think by the time that this episode goes out, the pin is gone. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Craig right, and he right. was telling me he was actually kind of freaking out because <laughs> within the first 30 minutes, he had thousands of dollars already donated. Oh, and wow. he was like, oh, shit. he was like, there's going to be some disappointed people out right, there who yeah. aren't going to get the pin. Dang. So I, as of earlier today, there was one left right. and I'm pretty sure it's going to be gone by Tuesday. So I mean, congr- how could he expect, <laughs> no. you know, that much, but that's, that's, Something he was talking about is the amazing support that he's been getting from the community. Oh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, we're recording this on Saturday, and Craig posted earlier that there's been 1,100 tickets already purchased wow. Um, wow. for the raffle. So, yeah, people are really excited. Get pumped. Yeah. We talked about all the artists that were announced on our bonus episode. Make sure to check that out if you haven't. But even since then, more artists have already been added. Simone D'Armini, an Italian artist based in Edinburgh, co-author of The Spider King, published by IDW, is donating a commission that you can go check out. Merkel Dinola, comic artist and illustrator. 
Frederick Pham Chuang, digital art print. He's a comic artist from France, from Humanoid Incorporated and Dynamite Comics. Also, Federico Mele, he did a watercolor painting. He's a comic artist, illustrator, and storyboard artist based in Rome. There's also a Kelly Williams commission that's been announced. Kelly Williams has done work for Boom, IDW, and Dynamite Comics. There are also a bunch of Hell on Earth hardcovers and trade paperbacks that are signed and remarked by Ryan Sook. Hey. Ryan Sook went in there and drew like a little Johan inside all of them. <laughs> so that was really yeah. cool. A lot of the hardcovers that are in there are signed by Mignola. Wow. Um, so it's really cool. $5 a ticket, no limit, right? So make sure to get in there. There are so many great prizes, and Craig's not even done yet. There are still some more names right. that are on the pending list that are yet to be announced. So make sure you're on Mike Manuelo's Art on Facebook. Make sure you're following those posts. This thing is like a second job for him. Oh, yeah, definitely. At this point. And so <laughs> yeah. he's like... Wheeling and dealing. He, he's really working hard to, to make this thing happen. So yeah. that, is, that is really cool. Yeah. Shout out to Craig yeah. at Muffin But Good Vibes. And like he mentioned on our bonus episode, all the merch from his... Muffin Company and all the purchases of muffins if you're in the San Diego area. Part of that is going towards the charities with the Buff Raffle as well. Yeah. You know, so you can also support that way. I got a super cool enamel pin from Craig in the mail a couple days ago. So, yeah, all good all around. Let's let's support these charities as much as we can during the holiday times. Yeah, and really cool of all these artists, present company included. Yeah. Really, really awesome to, yeah. you know, donate your, your time and your your labor and your skills and and everything to make these these prizes happen and that's that's really amazing that you would spend the time or the effort to contribute to this so yeah yeah thank you ross and thank you everybody else who's who's also participating uh, you know we know that that's no small thing so that's really nice yeah and to kind of go along yeah. with that all the original art is amazing you can check them out there are some really great pieces you know, we talk about Matt Strackbine a lot. Yeah. He has some original art in there where it's like his version of the Hellboy in Hell for whom the bell tolls right. cover yeah. kind of it's thing. Such such a good picture. Yeah. I was asking, we mentioned him on the uh, last show and we were saying, you know, how much original art is there of his right. left. Yeah. He said it's all gone. His, some yeah. person from Belgium bought all the rest of his original art pages and he had left. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. So basically this prize... This Matt Strackbine piece that's in the prize pool is like the last yeah. original art that you can actually get from him at people this time. People are donating original art that they've, that they've got, that they've held on to. People are donating books and people are like, Ross, are, you know, you're you're drawing whole new, like whatever the winner wants, like whatever commission they want on these cards. Those are the best prizes. That's incredible. Too, you can just <laughs> pick whatever you That's amazing that you would, you know, yeah. take time out of your day to do that. That's that's really cool. No, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. It's, it's an amazing raffle. He's got some amazing uh, stuff again this year and the amount of time like you already said uh especially packaging all that everything yeah. is like different sizes and stuff it's not like you can just buy a pack of envelopes you know <laughs> everything's got to be yeah. boxed in a different size box and yeah, shipped man. out it's just so well, much you know. it's a lot when you're donating remember you're donating to help you know some really good causes you know the prizes are just like a bonus and it is wonderful that everybody's donated their time and they're in, in this wonderful thing but remember we all this is all for a good cause good cause is I, I should say and so you know even if you don't want it to like you, you don't want any of the stuff you should still donate yeah excellent and that kind of leads us into our listener feedback section so get out your trades and floppies get out your hardback copies digital print is fine you can read along in 
Thanks again, Craig, for talking with us the other day. It was a truly awesome conversation. Yeah. Make sure to check out that special podcast if you haven't. David Jacoy said... David Jacoy. Book club member. That's right. He says, I'll try to finish listening to this today. Craig McKnight, you made my eyes all misty. Listening to this immediately doubled the amount of money I had in mind giving to the raffle. Aww. And Mark Tweedell said... Mark Tweedell. Book club co-host. <laughs> yeah. He said, case book club member. I'm okay. I'm okay. Aww. The buff is book club member. I'm not okay. No, not okay. Yeah. Book club member. That's right. The buff is book club member. The buff is book club member. And um, we had some feedback regarding Devil You Know Messiah. Secret 99 on Instagram said. Secret 99. Book club member. On Instagram. On the gram. (laughs) Gramming it. Okay, so uh, I posted the comparison from King of Fear, where Liz has that vision, and then kind of what we're seeing now. It's all kind of coming back around, right? And he said that there's a picture where it shows Hellboy back with the team, and you can't make out the date, but it says 20 and then something in the 10s. Mm. And then uh, and then these issues came out in 2017. So okay. that kind of lines All up, right. you know what I mean? Sure. Like, it, it's close enough, you know? Oh, man. I like oh, those kind of details. Cool. I know, because yeah. you're, you're a nerd. <laughs> you're a geekazoid. When I posted about Vivara getting her crew together, you know, she got Von Klempt back with them, and all those people are like, you were with the Black Flame to him and Cronin. Mark Tweedell said, this whole sequence was sickening. People reaching out to touch literal Nazis in admiration and awe. And Jason Abaddon responded. Okay. Jason Abaddon. Book club member. He said, it's good writing when you'd feel better about shaking Vavara's hand (laughs) than a Nazi piece of garbage. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) That is interesting. (laughs) Regarding our episode last week, Abe Sapien, Icto Sapien. You know, Danielle, you mentioned the Kevin Alford interview with Mignolaverse.com. And so Mark actually posted that interview in the... Uh, he went and found the link for it. Some people hadn't seen it. You know, some people had never seen that video. Oh, okay. oh I was actually talking about the, it was like a, te- it was like a. Uh, oh, the written the interview. The written interview. Oh, because there were two interviews. We it was did an a, article. We did a video yeah. one and then we also no, did an I article wasn't ta- one. No, yeah, I was talking about the one that was oh, an article. It was like, okay. quote unquote, in print. It was, you know, not, yeah, it was yeah. just on the internet, obviously. Okay, but it yeah. was, oh, that's the one I was talking about. He said, you're talking about how you should probably tone down the sea shanty talk, and here you are 108 episodes <laughs> afterwards, still talking about sea shanties. Lo- no regrets. Yeah, long live shanty talk. And Haydenor oh, said... Haydenor. Book club member. He said that uh, we should do a side piece called Shanty Town. Okay. Just about the sea shanties. <laughs> sure. But Mark Tweedo came back with an even better one. Drinking with Skellington. Okay, that's pretty good. That would be great, right? Oh, yeah. Shantytown. We need to cut together an episode of all the, the sea shanty talk. Yes, <laughs> uh, true. That would be a great episode. I was actually thinking Shantytown, like... Shantytown, colon, drinking with Skellington. Perfect, there you go. I was actually thinking oh, like... Um, this came up in the in the conversation this last week, too. Somebody was like, how come you don't put your episodes on YouTube? And I kind of went on a little bit of a tirade. I I wasn't trying to go go on a tirade or or be negative, but I was just basically saying, you know, I know a lot of people do put their podcasts on YouTube. I don't feel comfortable with just putting like a static image with the audio and pretending that that's a video. And I know a lot of people do that, but I don't really want to do that. And um, I would preference. I mean, that's your own. 
I would love to get snippets of the show and make little videos. Okay. And uh, but I don't know how to video edit, and <laughs> I don't. You know, I haven't had the time to learn that skill. But I would be willing to work with a video editor if someone wanted to. But it so, made me think like I would love to do a put a video together of all the music. Because how much music have we talked about right. in the in the show? You know, there's been a lot of sea sh- not but, only sea shanties, but just a lot of music in general. A lot of Linda Ronstadt talk. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think Ross had a great idea to do a little supercut of the shanty stuff. Yeah, that would be great. Would be okay. Yeah, I would love to do something like that. So anyway, anyway, just putting that out there. But that's why our stuff isn't on YouTube. But I would like to... Uh, it's not a video. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so if you're a video editor and you have rates that we can afford uh and by say when i say we i mean john yeah because i have no no money but i'll 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 kick in what i can let's talk yeah shoot us your rates if you're if if you're interested in that kind of thing and then the person came back i'm sorry i just this kind of this kind of got me a little bit the person came back and was like well you could just video yourself y'all's doing the podcast like it's like it's that simple you know what I mean? Like, why don't would, you video yourself doing we, a podcast we, and you edit it together? We would have to be presentable. We would have to have some sort of production quality, and I, and then it would have to be another thing to be edited. Yeah, I don't. You know what I mean? Feel like doing any and, of and that I, horse I, shit? It just kind of got me a little bit that someone was like, "Well, just video it, why don't and you that's fucking it." Fucking video. And it's it. like well, it's not really that. It's not really that simple. No, and we're not in the same place. No, right now. Aubrey would have to like, send us a file. Um, not, I mean, no. we would we. We would have to like do like a Zoom call. Oh no, my god, I do, no. I'm tired. Look, <laughs> look, I do a I do a weekly Zoom call with my family, and I really enjoy that every day. But right. I don't want to fucking videotape that. Yeah. No, no one wants to, and I don't yeah. want to video. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to Zoom with you guys and video that. No. What would be uh, cool is to research how much would like two minutes of animation cost. Yeah, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because and then even if we did do that, I don't think it would be interesting. No. Who's gonna sit there and watch that? No. You know. What what I mean so anyway no, no, no nobody one, no. wants to see no. my face for two hours for an hour and a half I don't want to see my own fucking face uh, I, so anyway sorry to go on a rant no, on all of that it's a no from us <laughs> but, but, but back to our story right Mark Tweedell said what do you say okay let's talk about that fish church this yeah. was paraphrased from Hellboy the Companion published in tw- 2008 just one month before Ape Sapien the Drowning. So in Ape Sapien the Drowning, there was also a fish church. Yeah. But it was like they had gotten an actual church and like put all this fish yeah. imagery all over it. Mark wrote the Oana Society originated as part of the Heliopic Brotherhood. Some of the Brotherhood members believe that humankind had been born from the Primal Sea. Okay. After a schism in 1736, these members chose the fishman Oannes as their symbol mm. and set up a temple a few blocks from the Brotherhood Temple in Paris. They put up posters inviting others to join them, but most people found the fishman posters ridiculous. This was made worse when they had a parade and public ritual on the banks of the scene, all conducted by a man in a ridiculous Oannes outfit. <laughs> In 1865, their number had dwindled from 300 to less than 30 worldwide. I think it's fair to say they were considered a bit of a joke. Nice. Yeah, but that explains that get-up, too, because we kind of joked around about that. It was a ridiculous outfit. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair. Jerry Turnbull said... Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Book club member. A nod to the influential author's corner... Lord Hodgson has to be a tip to the hat to the great William Hope Hodgson. Mm, okay. We've talked about him so many times, I right. can't believe that I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, but he did a lot of these kind of 
Sargasso Sea Stories, which Mignola is clearly oh, sure. influenced by. Right. Drew Campbell said... Drew Campbell. Book club member. Book club member. We had some submarine talk. He said, early prototype submarines date back to the 16th century. Oh, the wow. first motorized submarine was built in 1863 using compressed air. Jeez. The first combustion-powered submarine was the Spanish Ictino, huh. which is kind of like yeah, Ictio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Designed by Spanish engineer Monteroyal. It was first built by as a human-powered submarine in 1864 and converted to peroxide propulsion and steam in 1867. Dang. So the Oana Society was maybe ahead of its time in submarine development, but not still. as much as you think. Yeah, still. I guess we could have Googled that, but we did not. Yeah, and so. he, he posted a picture of that Ictio Spanish submarine, sure. and it was like um, not as Victorian, but kind of the but same kind of style, okay. you know, as the one that the Oana Society had. So that was really cool. Huh. Thanks for the yeah. research there, yeah, Drew. That's, yeah, thanks for the... Yeah, that, that, that sub actually looked pretty cool, and it was all wood and just Weird. crazy. I was just like, well, whoever went down in that was one brave yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> I wonder if they had those like weird old diving suits. I wonder, I wonder where they date it? back. How far down did they go? How did they pressurize that? Like what? I, I doubt they could go very far. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Anyway. It's like a snorkel, like the equivalent like, of having like a snorkel or something. Uh, like a but, a bamboo but still, thing. Like This is all stuff that we could Google, but we just refuse to do that. So You keep bringing up this Google. I'm unfamiliar with that. Yeah. Give it a googs. We talked a little bit about Gluskova, the artists on those stories. We sure did. Drew Campbell said her art is reminiscent of Mike Alred. Okay. Yeah, kind of sure, is. Sure, yeah. And yeah. Hayden Orr said, I get major Alred vibes also. Right, Some Becky right. Clunan yeah, vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Nice. He said that maybe because they both draw such pretty men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's in good company there, for sure. And Ross also had some feedback. Um, We were talking about the... I I posted a comparison of the diving suit. And this was a great detail that you point out, Ross, because it's all circles on the diving suit. But then near the mouth, there's these nuts. Okay. Two of them are nut-shaped and not circles. And then Gluskova also did that. That's a really small detail that I didn't even notice, Ross. Uh, It was really cool that you pointed that out. That was interesting. Well, I noticed it on hers first, and then I looked at the Guy Davis one, and and it's not obvious unless you were really staring at really the looking Guy at Davis it. One. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Somebody also, um, this was <laughs> another thing that kind of irritated me. Is somebody I, I maybe I was just irritated because I had to get a tooth pulled out. You this were week. a cranky boy, but um. <laughs> Somebody was like Bioshock, anyone? Mm. And I and so I had to go look this up. Issue 5 of Plague of Frogs, where they show Call in the diving suit, came out three full years before Bioshock came out. So <laughs> They're just if, looking at a diving suit, so and it if reminds any, them of Bioshock. So if if uh, wow. if anything, Bioshock took it from the BPRD comics and well, not no, the other I'm, way around. I'm sure they were just like, you know what's a cool design? Because we're very steampunk over here, is if we just took a diving suit and made it into... Uh, some sort of a creature, I assume. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, I had to go look. Th- I had. I went to the Google all angry. Let me look this up. Okay. What time? When did Bioshock come out? All right. Um. I, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> the, what they m- meant was that it's just some sort of like an image association. They were just like, this reminds me of Bioshock. Yeah. But instead of just saying this reminds me of Bioshock, 
by a shock anyone. Yes, and that made that put I'm me sure on the defensive. I'm sure there were no implications there. I'm sure that wasn't, you know, I'm I'm sure they weren't trying to imply anything. I'm sure it was just like uh, some sort anyway. of immediate association of like this reminds me of that thing. I've never played Bioshock. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I couldn't get into it. I played the first one. I played maybe like an hour or two into it, and I just couldn't get into it. I'm not very good at first-person shooters. Well, I want to read this story now. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, uh, bef- actually, before we dig into the episode, the book club story, I did want to talk about Ross's rantings of a madman that he sent me. Um, so, Ross... Uh, you got were- some rantings <laughs> of a madman? Ra- uh, Ross made this awesome diagram. It's not rantings of a madman. It's actually very coherent. I would like... But he sent it to, to me, and it. then he also sent me the the Charlie Day meme. Nice, yes. Where he's all like... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, I did message this to you, Danielle, yeah. and I also sent it to Aubrey. Oh, I hope you don't mind, yes, Ross. this chart. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. If I get your permission, I'll post this up on our social media so other people can check it out. And I know this I'll, is just your opinion, but explain yeah. explain this chart that you drew up. I'll, I'll make a pretty version if you want to share it. Oh, that would be excellent. First. Um, it's basically for me trying to think about what style is. Um, yeah, this is great. And, and like how style works. Started out with a axis where you have detailed on yeah. one side and then minimalist on the opposite. And then across from that is the um, the perpendicular would be realism and then what I'm calling cartoony. Mm-hmm. And then so between <laughs> minimalist and realism, uh, I, between all of these four quadrants, I kind of added spokes. Yeah. Um, so the, like a, the min- minimalist and, and the photo real style would be for lack of a better term, I called it noir. That's perfect, though. That works. And then really well. between cartoony and minimalist, I'd put abstraction. Between cartoony and detailed, I, I called dynamic, but that's kind of in my mind that kind of 90s comic book style. Sure. Okay. And okay. then between detailed and realism, I just called it specific. I couldn't think of a better term. Um, where you're, you're the most heightened photo reel. No, all of this of, really works. Yeah. This is really good. So. It's kind of a takeaway from um, Scott McCloud's book, Understanding Comics. He has a pyramid where he he oh, breaks right, it down yeah. not from the perspective of like art styles, but but in the perspective of of image as language. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like this is kind of like my take on that idea. Um, a little bit specific to how how I kind of think and categorize things. The placements and, are really good, though. So like I kind of yeah. So I put all the Hellboy and BPRD artists kind of roughly where i thought they fell on this wheel of style um so the reason i sent you that is because lawrence campbell who's who did most of the devil you know although the chapters that we're reading today were by uh sebastian fiumara but he he's definitely the most realistic of the artists that we're familiar with like you could take his artwork and probably pose people you know underneath and get it's not too it's not out as there. exaggerated as yeah some stuff Compa- sure compared to like J- someone like james heron would be more in that what i call the dynamic mm. yeah style, where it's very cartoony but it's still got a lot of detail so they're kind of like on the opposite portions of the wheel yeah and and so what i like the reason why i think that's that works for this series is because it's he's grounding it basically 
he's he's grounding it in yeah. realism, but he's not putting in so much detail that you can't read yourself into the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not distracting. The, yeah. So like one of the things that Scott McCloud talked about is the more detail you put in a drawing, the more that becomes a character that is an individual that exists outside of your mind. Yeah, it's and, too mm-hmm, much. And, and then if you strip away more detail, you allow the reader to project more of themselves onto the character. Mm. So it'd be like the difference between, you know, like Tintin or something is very, very good cartooning, but you you can project a lot of your own imagination onto the page. Right. Right. Okay. Um, you so, know, that, so that's like what Mike Mignola is at the absolute master of in my mind. Yeah. Is he strips away everything but the most necessary information and it lets your mind fill in the blanks. Right. We've talked about that a lot. Like you could take some of Mignola's shapes and if you look at him in any other other context, it just looks like a shape. Yeah. It doesn't look like a hand or someone falling through the air, but in the context of it, you your eyes fill in the rest and you see yeah. Hellboy falling through the air, Absolutely, even though it's yeah. technically just a shape. Yeah. I like where you've put all of these these people. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at this chart. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, um, it's difficult sometimes with the super realistic styles. Sometimes um, with some artists, it, it feels like they can be a little too static or not dynamic enough, or not like there's not enough movement, and it's just a little bit wooden. But um, not so with the artists that we see on this chart. I think that a lot of these uh, people who do have a realistic style still manage to strike a really good balance, and uh, we still see a lot of that dynamic oh, yeah. stuff. We still see a lot of movement, and it's not so posy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's not very. It's not just like I want to make a charcoal drawing of a you know right. Guy. It's yeah. like you know this is it's actually it's actually storytelling. It's yeah. telling a story, and so that's. Well, it's just kind of a way for me to think about taste and Mm -hmm. um, for like, for me, like as an artist, I am personally more drawn to people that are kind of in that area between the cartoony and detailed probably because I grew up with nineties comics. So that's your style is, is such an interesting blend of those two kind of side, like that detailed cartoony. But I mean, like you have such an incredible style. It's not cartoony. It's not, exactly realistic it's just this amazing and it is very dynamic and so it's this amazing blend of all these different styles that you've struck this really incredible balance between all these different uh these different art styles i think it's interesting and i don't know if it was a scheduling thing i don't you know i don't obviously don't know any of the behind the scenes of why they had um lawrence campbell from most of it but then had yamara come in for these three issues but i would say that they work well together but yamara for me, he's a little bit more specific um, mm. in his characters. So his his characters to me feel more. I don't, I don't know how else to call it other than specific. They feel like you could almost imagine like who they were based on. Mm. Okay, as, as being people who like exist, right? Sure, sure. Um, whereas Lawrence Campbell leaves a little bit more to the reader to imagine. Right. 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 Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting how, you know, Lawrence Campbell is all the way on the realism side and then Fumara is kind of all the way on the detailed side. Um, it's a really good comparison in terms of thinking about, yeah, this shift between from Campbell to Fumara and then we're going to get back to Campbell in the next chapter. 
So yeah, I, and I do really like his work on this. I think it's a really good, I almost didn't even notice when I was so wrapped up in it. And then at certain moments you're like, oh yeah, this is kind of outside of what it, is typical for BPRD. It's not a it's not a jarring shift in style to me, but I find that it becomes it shifts from being focused on the characters to being focused on the events. Yeah. At least the way I read it. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um I'll share that. Thank you so much, Ross, for putting this together. This is so cool. Like Matt would love this. I'm gonna this I'm gonna send fantastic. this to Matt yeah, this if uh, if I have your permission to send this off to Matt, or you should yeah. send it to him. I think that he would get a huge kick out of seeing someone like this. You did a great and job with like, this. It's not a real thing, right? This is just how I kind of organize things in my head to think about what what makes art work for me in some things and what makes it like, yeah. you know, you can intentionally like mismatch a style that doesn't seem to fit the story because that that does something else to the reader that's interesting, you yeah. know? Yeah. When John sent me the uh, diagram earlier today, I was just sitting there staring at it for a while. I was just like, it's oh my good, God, yeah. I was just like, okay, hold on, let me, and then I, it made me think about each individual artist's different style, and I was like, okay, I see how this is, uh, this this diagram is breaking down, and I thought it was great. Also, I like how you underline um, Lawrence Campbell and Sebastian Fumara. Yeah, um, and I was just like, those are actually probably my two favorite on the BPRD stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so many great artists. It's good to see it all like this. You really realize. The huge, oh, massive not, talent that they have. And and that's not to say anything against any of the other artists, because every single one of these guys are fucking A-list right. motherfuckers. I think you underline those, because it's the, um, those are the artists that are in this book, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, please, I want to think of it differently. That's fine. <laughs> he, he that is valid. In my head, that is valid. he knew my two favorites. Yeah, so now we're going to get into our book club episode for the week. I'm so glad Ross could join us on this Ross. monumental episode. Yes. This is gonna We're going to be one. talking about BPRD, The Devil You Know, Pandemonium, issues one cover. through three. Look at this cover. These Man. issues were published from May to June 2018, five full months after that reveal at the end of the last storyline where we saw that Hellboy came back. So we had to wait five months from when Liz ripped open the coffin. Not me. It's been one week. It's been two weeks, actually. Two weeks. So I think I told John this, but... I waited until all three trades for The Devil You Know came out and read them all in one oh, weekend. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Good call, so honestly. Reading it with you, like along with the book club this time is a very different experience because the first time was just like this blur. Yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Just so much stuff packed into this final series. Oh, yeah. I just picture you yeah. just sitting on your bed. It's like four in the morning. You're just like... <laughs> This one is co-written by Mignola, art by Sebastian Fumara, colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Clem Robbins, and edited by Katie O'Brien. We have another great trade paperback cover by Lawrence Campbell. Oh, he did do the trade. Cover. You got the trio right there. You got the hero shot going on. And then we have a great issue cover as well by Sebastian Fumara. And this is great. You got all the super-powered peeps here. You know, mm -hmm. you got Howard's back there. Abe, yeah. Hellboy, and Liz. These cloven feats. And, so uh, I think the covers are actually by Max and Sebastian. Oh, nice. Okay. So I think, I don't know how they break up the art duties, but they, they collaborated on these covers. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because they do collaborate a lot. I know even when they did the Abe series, they collaborated a lot on the covers, but I just went by the 
that's Sebastian's little signature shape there on the bottom. Yeah. So that's why I attributed to him. But yeah, I but mean, yeah. it's entirely possible that there was a collaboration of some yeah. But but you're right. In the uh, credits here, it says chapter breaks by Max and Sebastian with right. Dave Stewart. Nice, and Dave. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, Max is the one who's a little bit more, again, what I, what I call cartoony. Cause sure. He, he exaggerates the proportions a little bit. Yeah. Very cool. We open somewhere in hell. Holy shit! Some Mignola art. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting this. This was amazing. Right, yeah. What about you, Ross? Do you remember when you opened the first page of this trade and saw this? Uh, obviously, since I waited to read the whole thing, there were some things that were spoiled, but but I didn't know that Mignola did any art. Yeah. Nice. So this was a huge, you know, welcome surprise. Ross, you did some great research on comparing the house between when we saw it in uh, a lot of these settings, actually. We saw them yeah. at the end of Hellboy in Hell. You know, the little skeleton was in the cage there that's hanging. We see that now it's empty. And um, and they also showed it again in Kashi the Deathless. What other um, details, what other differences did you notice there, Ross? So, so the main thing that I noticed that made me go back and look was the fact that the, the cage was empty. Mm-hmm. Um because when we see it in Hellboy and Hell, it is the, the, you know, the skeleton or whatever inside of it. And then I noticed that when we see the house the first time in Hellboy and Hell, the tree and the shrubbery is like the tree is much smaller and all those bushes are not as overgrown. So, yeah, so he's been there yeah. to indicate Here, that time has passed. Yes, because we, we talked a lot about whether or not there's any passage of time in Hell. He is indicating that there's there's change happening. Yeah. It's also autumn. Apparently, there's some... Yeah, and we focus in on that window, too. That was the window that we saw uh, with the light on at the end of Hellboy in Hell, right? And Hellboy is approached by Sir Edward Grey. Shit, look at this page! I know. I love the leaves Uh, falling throughout the whole thing. It kind of gives it this very magical quality. Yeah. God, this page is incredible. I knew it was coming, Hellboy says. Just kind of got used to the quiet, you know? And then we shapes. see the shapes there. They're underneath the all the leaves. the leaves and everything. That is so cool. Man. They're like powered down. Right. Like when you see them the first time, they're they're hovering and all shiny. And now they're just sitting there. Oh, right. Yeah. The one I saw that I just, I, all I saw was like, oh, it's a mood shot of the shapes. I don't know what I thought. I guess I thought like, oh, it's a statue of the shapes. Well, because there was a statue, but, yeah, but it had the magician on sure, top. Sure, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah this no, is something I just, different. I saw that just like I was like, oh, I filed that in my brain. I was just, oh, that's a mood shot of the yeah. shapes. But yeah, I guess it's uh, that's interesting, huh? Good detail there, Ross. Mm. There are just the two things left to do, Sir Edward says. I tried to do the first myself. Thought I could spare you that at least, but well, it was always going to have to be you. I know, Hellboy says. The end, Sir Edward says. The real end, it's very close now. Jeez. And Hellboy's like, who's your friend back there? It's fucking Roger! Yeah, and we see Roger. it kind of cuts over to that shot of his remains. Jeez. And then it shows this shot of this like skeleton with the anatomical model. Yeah, it's got you like know? half yeah. muscles, half skull. And we saw that in, uh, I went back to go see, that was in the Hounds of Pluto storyline of Hellboy and Hell. We saw that imagery a lot. So I thought that was interesting. They flashed back to that. We also see the snake. Yeah. In this little bottom panel. And so to me, to me, that snake represents 
friendship in a, in a broad sense. Yeah. Um, because of the story that he's from, but the like dissected corpse, that one kind of throws me. I'm not sure like what, other than just looking cool, what, what that's telling us. Right. Yeah. I had to go back and it's used a couple times in that story. I don't really have any good I- assumptions, but I would love to hear what our listeners have to say about that. The, the, the cards are there, too, from the vampire mm. prog. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It I'm feels... just thinking that maybe it's just supposed to be like reminder of what all happened. Yeah. Yeah. All. This actually got me kind of thinking because like Ed says that there are two things left to do and he tried to do one, but he couldn't because it has to be Hellboy. And then he shows up with Roger. And so the last time we saw Roger was when Johan saw him in the afterlife so does that mean ed was able to find roger's afterlife i guess so and then bring yeah. and then bring him to bring him to to hellboy in hell trademark um he seems to be uh, able to do exactly that so yeah. yeah in hellboy in hell ed gray says there's three things that hellboy has to do and so i'm assuming that the first one was to destroy pandemonium right so then we still don't know what the second and third thing are and and why Ed Gray thought he could do the second thing on his own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that a story worth telling or is that just saying, you know, not really worth telling? I'm just I'm wondering if there's a story there. I, I would love for them to do a Ed Gray and Hell series. Yeah. I think that'd be uh, awesome. I think we've talked about that before. So right when we see Roger, obviously that's a that's a huge moment. But then like like immediately we got this mood shot of like Roger's corpse after yeah. he is all explained, and then you know this anatomical figure. I wonder if that's just like an aesthetic choice meant to evoke visceral feelings of like the physical reality of Roger, right? Of his life and death, of how convoluted huh. that was, and how you know yeah. I don't know I don't know if that, and like his tenuous connection to his life and his friends and all this stuff and so or if it's just you know this looks cool yeah no the more that i think about it you know roger said um bury me like a man yeah you know i and wonder so... if that's like like hellboy is this what hellboy is seeing and thinking of like yes roger is made of these things but i right spe- see him as a man i don't know maybe yeah. i'm reaching too far and then the snake, yeah, for me, that immediately, the first thing I think of is friendship, yeah. right? Because the wizard and snake and the shapes and all that stuff. Yeah. That's, I immediately have a positive association with, with this snake. I'm like, hey, hey, guy. And, um, but so I have to force myself to remember where else in manual stories where snakes used. Uh, well, we saw that snake right as Hellboy was going to yeah, see the Spanish Lucifer, bride. The Spanish bride, exactly. Right. So the snake turned into a lady yeah. and all this stuff. And so. That's also a thing. Sure. Yeah, we've seen a lot of snakes. And Hellboy is surprised to see Roger. It's good to see you again, Roger says. And I'm sorry. Jeez. And they kind of shake hands or they hold hands. And then there's like a light. And I love this because there is so much, but like it's really just like five little lines and some color. You know what I mean? But it's like, but it, but it's a lot, you know, and that says a lot. Just those, just that panel of them em- embracing their hands over this panel of light or whatever. And every panel in these three pages is perfect. Yeah. I mean, each panel is in and of itself an entire story and an entire work of art. The composition, the um, all of the the shapes that Mignola... We talked about, oh, Mignola, you know, it's, it's just a... It's, it's a bunch of shapes. These, I mean, it's, it's like specific abstract. I right. don't know how to describe this, but yeah. it's... You know, it's a good example 
of kind of what we're talking about where Mignola has developed his own shorthand. Yeah. Um, the way that like Jack Kirby or someone did back yeah. in the early days of comics. So mm-hmm. we look at that and it's, I mean, the handshake is the inset panel, but you get this big empty panel yeah. with just a little, little hash marks. And we all know that that represents some sort of magic. A power, change happened here. Yeah. Transportation. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, yes. teleportation or something. But, you know, if you if you gave this to almost any other artist and the script says, you know, they, they teleport to the real world or whatever, yeah. however you interpret that, you get an entirely different image. Yes. It'd be way more complicated. Right. Yeah. yeah. You said this earlier. You said something, I'm paraphrasing, but you said something like he puts exactly what needs to be there and yeah. nothing more than that or something like that. You really, it's, it, Like you described it as, as being minimal, but it's a very specific type of minimal. It's, I can't remember... If it was something, one of the times I saw him at a comic convention or an interview I read, but he talked about how he used to draw all the like stubble on a person's chin. Sure. Yeah. And then he realized that he could just put two little whiskers <laughs> and the reader knows, oh, he's got stubble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. Which, which is. And, and it saves, you know, saves you time, but it's still communicating everything you need to know. But, like, when he does decide to do a lot of these, like, all these leaves and stuff, that's for a reason. It's it's the most specific, minimal... It's interesting. Anyway, yeah. It's very, it's very... Anyway, yeah. So, I love friendship, snake, and shapes, and leaves. Yeah, and we get to see Roger again. See Roger I love Mignola drawing Gray. some Roger the homunculus. great. Yeah, that, that's actually... I was actually going to echo that same thought, John. It was... It's great to see Mignola drawing Roger again. But there is, like, a somberness to it, you know? There's, yeah. like, a sadness to it where he's like, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like... It's cool, but it's also foreboding. Yeah. Each individual panel tells an entire story. And is it's in and of itself a complete work of art. Yeah. But then he puts them all together here and that's a whole thing. Like it's yeah. just fucking, it's, it's so fucking it good. It tells so much. It's kind of so like, good. well, what happened? Hellboy's back to life. What happened? And then you see these three pages and you're just like, oh, that makes sense. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I mean, it, and it doesn't need to be overly complicated because I, I hate it when people like overly complicate an explanation. It's just like, this is great. This is like this is perfect. A few panels and bam, we know. We, let's let's jump onto the story. Yes, <laughs> we get this awesome shot of the BPRD helicarrier in front of the moon here by Fumara. We cut over to his style. I love that we do not know the dialogue because that's not important. Like you would, if it was a movie, it would just be mm-hmm, yeah, like yeah, muffled. Yeah, you, know, you cannot hear, and it's it's it works so well here. It gives it's it perfect. this like disorienting yeah. kind of feel. I don't want to know what they're arguing about. Right. I don't care because you can kind of just tell from the body language what's going on, and that's so effective. Yeah, we see Stroh, Jiroko, Liz, Staz, and Devon, and they're all murmuring around Hellboy. Everything's dark. Well, all their faces are in shadow. Yeah, I kind of took it as like you know, like Hellboy is kind of coming back into focus or yes. something to the real world, and you can't really hear anything. But I, I'd like to think that what they're saying is Liz is saying, "Devin, you suck," and Devin's like, "I know I suck." <laughs> um, so that's what I like to think. Well, it's very on. sinister. It's got a there's a very sinister yeah. feel to this. I mean, we we obviously know they're talking about Hellboy because of the way the last from the bottom panel they they all turn and look. Right. And we all and and we know Devin's a piece of shit, so he's probably saying like, "How can we know we can trust him?" Fuck you, Devin. That's wow. <laughs> Ross, you're gonna for say for me. 
I feel like it, it puts us somewhere where we don't usually get to be, which is in Hellboy's head yeah. a little bit as he's as he's kind of adjusting to being back in in our reality. And like the little squiggly lines to me, I hear them as sort of like muffled, like you're listening to someone while you're underwater. Yeah. People who are talking outside of a pool, like yeah. you're doing the, the, the peanuts adults. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Know, not, not in a comedic way, but it's giving that same impression, even though it's just literally just squiggles in a, in a white word line. It's effective. And this amazing page here where we reveal Hellboy um, Ryan has this page. I know this is a one, one of the ones that he has in his collection. Um, that's really great. We also see Phoenix is there in the corner. I like this last she panel, looks- of course, with Liz looking over. Yeah. I like how Phoenix looks troubled or distraught. Mm-hmm. You know, she she doesn't know what to think about what's going on right now. And Liz finally looks over at Hellboy. She comes over. You okay? Yeah, he says. It kind of cuts through all of that. We get that one white panel. And ever since we had Matt on last time, I'm like, I'm counting all the panels, you know, in this one. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of panels on this page. And I like this thing that Fumara does a lot in these issues where the panels are kind of floating over a main panel. You know yeah, what I mean? There will yeah. be one image and then some of the panels are kind of stacked on top. Yeah, I, I like that uh, kind of panel layout, too. And they're all kind of murmuring. They're like, why isn't he talking? We found him in a grave, Staz says. Devon knows that Liz wants to pick up Abe and Howard's, but they need to see this group on I-90 first. They don't have any intel other than they're following a voice in a dream. Strode wants to go as well to check for a demonic connection. They also suggest taking Phoenix. Liz says Phoenix went AWOL. We're putting her back in, she asks. Well, Liz, I put Abe in, Devon responds. He turns to Hellboy and he's like, Hellboy, offer some light recon. Q&A with civilians tied to a cult that Manning's investigating? Sending me might be overkill, Hellboy responds. If I thought that, I wouldn't ask. And then he just doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And Staz is like, is that a no? That's like another... We yeah. see, like, nobody respects Devon. We were talking about that. And even Hellboy just coming no. back, like, is just not responding to him. Who, who here in the room has ever actually met Hellboy before, though? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Liz, right? Just Liz, yeah. Just yeah. Liz, yeah. They're not sure how to react to this because this is a guy that they only know of. Yeah. This isn't this isn't like their friend or their lost buddy or whatever. Right. He's a demon. He was dead. Yeah. Now he's here. They've only heard about him. Because we've also seen like within the BPRD, it's kind of cool if you worked with Hellboy. They're like, sure, Oh, yeah. you worked with Hellboy? You went with Hellboy in a mission? What was that like? Right. You know, they'll ask well, each other. Well, wait when, wait, when did Hellboy quit the BPRD? It was in the mid-90s, right? It was like 2001. Okay, so in, and this is 2015? 17, I think. 17. So he's been gone for like 16 years, and so everything is kind of changed and all that. So I could definitely see how um, some people might not, I don't know. But, he, but he'd been in the BPRD from, for 50, 60 years. Yeah. So. Well, if I had heard stories about him when I was a teenager, when I was like 15 years old, right? And now I'm like, what? I'm like 36 and I'm in the BPRD and I'm an agent and the world has ended and there's (laughs) monsters everywhere and all of a sudden Hellboy is alive again. I'm like, I, uh, hmm. (laughs) Honestly, I think, I think, I think it's just Devin's fear projecting on everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Back in Jasper, we catch up with Abe and Howard's. They're with Maggie's tribe. Abe tells Howard that he's amazed that the BPRD zips around in a spaceship while regular people 
are back in the Stone Age. It's not the Stone Age. I mean, is far more advanced than the fucking Stone Age. But I like this comment because Howard's is like, and they're fine, Abe. Yeah, they're like, fine. What is that comment? Like, he's like, people, because he's half a yeah. caveman. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. He's Galdinar, yes. so he's like, it's fine. This is cool. People can do people this, do, right? People do this right now. <laughs> that, that's how I kind of took that, is it's, is it's implying that he's that Galdinar connection coming through a little bit where he's like, what, what's wrong with sitting around a campfire eating rabbits? Yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with this. Yeah, People live like that. I mean, more people than you would think, like. Yeah. A lot of people all around the world live in this manner, and I think that it's like, you know. Well, I, I think Abe is really just trying to bring up the fact that the BPRD yes. is like flying around in a yes. in a, in a sci-fi type setting, and the rest of the world is reduced to not having the t- same kind of... Yeah. Exactly. So t- Howard's is focusing in on how he takes that part of the comment of like how the people are living, which is like... But really, like you said, I think Abe is more like, well, what the fuck, BPRD yeah. is running around in a goddamn spaceship while... Right, it's, yeah. It yeah. is, it is there, the disparity between the two is uh, pretty big. Yeah, Abe's been yeah. living amongst the people all this time, yeah. you know, so he's just barely been back and now he's in a flying spaceship yeah, and all I think this he stuff. Was, he was, like, like Aubrey said, he's focusing on the difference between the two and not so much like yeah. the yeah. people. Maggie approaches and... She leads Abe off. Hell yeah. Back with the BPRD, Liz is catching Hellboy up on all that he's missed since he was last on Earth in the Storm and the Fury. There's a flashback to that, but it's just like a shape of him fighting the dragon. Like, it's so fuzzy. You know what I mean? A couple panels later, it's on one of the screens. So was someone in England, like, live streaming that? And then all of a sudden, they're in the fairy world? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, I I kind of assumed it. Yeah, That good. Wow. This isn't really relevant. This is a tangent, but... Please. Did all the people in England get sent to that new fey world with Alice? one of the things that I remembered about that was how many people it appeared like all these people died. Like, we were watching this one family who were trying to hide, and then they all get electrocuted by the lightning. Remember the lightning comes down and just destroys Mm. everything? I think everybody died. I think everybody, like, got electrocuted or something. Because we see, throughout that Storm and the Fury, we're getting this one point of view of this family. We, We actually have a family that we follow in these issues, too. And we're kind of seeing how this is impacting them. And then at the end of the thing, they all just get electrocuted. It's pretty I, gruesome. I, I, yeah. I thought it was like lost and the island moved. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. They're I hope dead so. and in okay. the Fey world. I hope Both so. Both can yeah. be real. Sure. Liz tells Hellboy about the Ogdru Jihad and the Ogdru Hem and all the cults. And the first thing Hellboy asks is, where's Kate? Uh... She ran the whole show here. You would have been proud of her. But Kate's gone, Hellboy. And he just looks down. Yeah. Jeez. She asks Hellboy where he's been since what happened in England, and then we get a nice little flashback. This is from the end of Hounds of Pluto, where we see him sitting under the tree. I love Fumara's version of this. And if you, like, look up, there's a little snake. You see that? It's blended in so well with the branches. I did not see that. Good good eye, John. It's a snake. Aw, friendship. That is so cool. I love snake friend. Man, that's cool. I did not notice that. That's awesome. Would that be his uh the bride, right? I think that's, so. That's I, I I think that that is her coming down because 
that's what's going to happen next in terms of after the Hounds of Pluto. Oh, okay. We see Devon talking to Phoenix. What are they whispering about, right? Phoenix is I looking over at Hellboy and Liz. I think he's poisoning her mind somehow. Or I already didn't anyway. like her, though. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm okay with Phoenix. I, I'm not okay with Devon. Right. Oh. Didn't Phoenix do some shit that wasn't cool though? Well, like she she did shoot Abe, but then he kind of needed to be shot to turn what? into the new Abe. But then she went off and she had her own little mission on her own where she blew up that Ogdruhem egg that everyone was worshiping, remember? Oh yeah. And then she yeah. came back and she was like, I'm ready to fight. Okay. And so that was kind of her redemption if she was, was like now I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna she help didn't you guys. No, like she didn't shoot A because she was like and I, everybody doesn't know this, so they're going to hate me, but that's okay. I'll sacrifice my goodwill among these people because I know that every, he's going to be okay and right. he's going to evolve into an... She didn't know any of that shit. No, well, what she said was she knew that he had to die. Mm, okay, well, that's... You know what I mean? Like, I still yeah. ha- I don't know. I still haven't gotten over that. And, and, and that's another thing that I love about Can these we, like, stories is the good people are never all yeah, exactly. really good. No, that's, and yeah. the bad it's people great. are never really all no, bad. Yeah. And even the people that are good do fucked up stuff. Of course, and, of course. No, it's great storytelling. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the whole reason I give yeah. a shit about any of this is that it's great character writing. Like, no one's going to be all good or all bad. Like, I don't want 2D cardboard cutout villains and shit. I'm just saying, like, that's... Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I don't know how to feel about her because I don't really know... You know, sure. like what's yeah. her deal? What is her deal exactly? So, and you know, I don't know. Phoenix, she tries to come up and talk to Liz, but Liz just blows her off. Well, yeah, because she's over there talking to uh, Devin, and the very next thing that fucking happens is she tries to talk to Liz. So, right, I wouldn't talk to her either. Staz questions whether it's wise to include Phoenix, considering Liz and Abe's feelings on her. But Devon says she's an important asset. Here's one point where I do agree with Devon. I mean, she is. Because she is important, yeah. you know. I mean, sure. Over in New York. The zombie we're at, with the Zinko top here. Yeah, so we're, we're getting the continuity here because we saw that lady uh, with the Zinko top. We thought she was Evelyn, but I don't think that that was really her. But we do get to see her again now. She's like an undead version. We're in front of Grand Central Station. We see the statue of Mercury that's now decapitated. This is where the Black Flame had made his new headquarters. And this is the couple that we're following in this story. They've been led there by their dreams, but they're surprised to find all these zombies. The wife says, well, the Bible said the dead will rise. Okay. So that this is like actually right. making sense. And so I, I, I had to go look this up. I did not realize how many verses of the Bible talk about oh, yeah. zombies. zombies rising yeah. up, marching on Jerusalem. There's one that the entire Christian religion has just totally ignored yeah. forever. After Jesus was crucified, a bunch of dead people came out of their graves uh-huh. immediately yeah. and were wandering around yeah. the city. Yeah, and it's just one of those weird little verses that's in one of the Gospels that everyone's just like, oh, okay. I, I guess that happened. <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, Christians ignore like most of what is in the bible like 99 percent of what's in the fucking bible well i found a couple here john 5 28 29 do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment daniel 12 2 and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt okay. and isaiah 26 19 the dead shall live their bodies shall rise you who dwell in the dust awake and sing for joy for your dew is a dew of light and the earth will give birth to the dead 
All right. Wow. Yeah. Well, so and and the, and the, those were the top three on a giant list. It's a long ass list of, yeah. <laughs> of, of parts well, of the Bible that talk about this. So I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, that she makes that okay. comment. So I had to look that up. You know, I mean, they, they do talk about the dead rising all the time, um, but they don't talk about it in a zombified corpse kind of way. Right. They talk about it as in you're awakened the way that that Christ was awakened from his tomb, and you are alive again so the whole thing we're here she's like well the bible says the dead shall rise i think she's she's reaching like certain particular groups are kind of reaching to kind of fit sure what they what they believe in the reality that they see or literally whatever reality this person does yes yeah yeah to fit clearly, reality into the, what they believe they're clearly in a, a bad situation but rationalizing yeah absolutely mm-hmm Yes. And I think that that's what what would happen. You know, a lot of this, I, I like how it, the take on it is like, I could see that happening. Yeah. I, I think you guys mentioned before, but like, it kind of reminds me of the stand, Stephen King's The Stand. Oh, where yeah. You have these people being led in two different directions, and some of them maybe went the wrong direction and realize it slowly, but it's too late. Right. They're already there. Oh, yeah, totally agree. Because even um, Jiroko was seeing the visions. So if she was not part of the BPRD, she might have been with this group of zombie people. Sure, that's a great point. Yeah, exactly. Inside Grand Central Station, we see Vivara and her crew. And on the floor here, I noticed the Grand Central Station clock. This is a famous clock made by the Connecticut Clock Crafting Company. The Grand Terminal Clock is valued between $10 and $20 million. The structure has four convex faces. Each face is made purely of the highest quality precious opal. Okay. And there it is smashed on the ground. Um, ruined in the aftermath of the black opal. flame. A clock made out of opals. I didn't even know that. Favara is checking out the black flame's old digs. And even she thinks he was being a bit dramatic. <laughs> It's a bit mush. <laughs> and Cronin says he was terribly powerful and how they helped him arrive expecting their master, referring to Rasputin, Cronin says our master. Rasputin, bah, he was never my master, Von Klemp says. And Cronin is about to go off on Rasputin again, but Vavara shuts him off. I should have liked to have met this black flame. Cronin, make sure the throne room is free of vermin. Von Klemp, don't let your old friend bait you, she says. She, like, whispers to him. You know, so she's kind of dividing these two. Um, I like this kind of storyline. Vivara senses danger. She knows it's the BPRD. Or like Von Klemp says, Broom and his misfit army. Vivara has been ignoring them due to her feelings for Broom. Von Klemp says, no one can pose a threat to her. He loves her now that she's given him a body, right? And Cronin comes across a sad and grisly discovery. Yeah, this is grim. So I think that this is Evelyn, the Black Flame's assistant. Yeah. You know, and so when we saw the lady in the Zinko shirt, Matt theorized that that was her. But I think this is actually her and she probably couldn't live with, I don't know, with the way that the world was or what she had helped the Black Flame do. In any case, yeah, she definitely, this this is pretty grisly. I wonder what would have happened had Babara actually met the Black Flame. Yeah. Very interesting to see what was found out. Because he was the Ogdru Jihad, right? Or he was tapped into the Ogdru Jihad through his, like, mind power or whatever, something like that. 
You know, right? so yeah, I wonder. Vivara sighs as she enters the throne room. There's all these dead bodies around, which we know that she likes, right? That's one of the reasons why she decided to stay, was because she likes all the the dead after a after a war or a battle. We must ready the place for guests, she says. Von Klempt asks if Broom's children are coming here. She pulls out the dagger and says no. I, I don't know if we mentioned this. Throughout this whole thing, when Vavar's got her crew, there's this one long-haired dude just holding a box that he's been, like, hanging around the whole time. <laughs> and so here we finally get to see, you know, what's in the box. I, and I we all pretty much guessed that it was going to be the knife. Sure. Over eastern South Dakota, below the BPRD helicarrier, a helicopter lowers. Inside, Agent Strode briefs all the soldiers on the mission about a girl possessed who appears in dreams. Jeroko watches a video on a tablet of a guy recording his journey with some of these followers walking to Vavara. That, he, that guy was in the Abe series, right? Oh, is that the same guy? I think so. Gene or whatever? Oh, man. I'm going to have to go back and check. Great catch, Ross. Yeah, that might be the same yeah, guy. I, I don't remember his name, or but I just, he, was, looks, he looks like familiar. And I think there's a couple other people we come to who I think were from the Abe series. Ah, okay. Strode says to listen for anything about going underground. We've men- we've mentioned that too. People are always talking about the future is underground and stuff like that. Right. And she she also says to listen to military talk since hell is hierarchical. But I I do like that because they always talk about they have this many legions of soldiers and they're yeah. this and that. You know what I mean? I'm a great sergeant of hell or whatever i'm first captain of hell yeah. it's always stuff like that and so she's like oh, if you hear any of that that's good intel you yeah know, pay attention to that she's a fucking badass i love her i love ashley stroke yeah she's turned into a great character she's fantastic she whispers to jiroko meanwhile we have a wmd up there but it doesn't feel like talking to anyone and then jiroko's like wait could you repeat that so she gets some pretty important news in the infirmary Liz talks to Leonid. Remember, Leonid got all burned, protecting her from the vampire's glamour. Remember that vampire was talking to her and he was trying to get her. And then Leonid Mm -hmm. was all, you know, he came out of the fire. And she wants him to wake up. Hellboy looks at his reflection and he sees Roger's porthole. What is happening here? Yeah, that's, uh, hmm. I feel like that was kind of reminding us that that, um, Hellboy was in Roger's vessel. And right. that this feels like it's he's only here temporarily. Right. This is the first of a few things that kind of make me think of Twin Peaks, where you're getting hints that that people are not who they are, hmm. possibly. Or, yeah. Or blur, blurring the idea between reality and what might be like more of like a dream reality, like hell. Right. Yeah, I like that. I want to come back to this um, whenever Hellboy's looking out the window. This is going to happen a couple times, and there's some weird stuff connected to it. This is the first time they show it. Um, They call Hellboy into the command center, and here's what Jiroko was freaking out about. Hellboy got a call from Manning. Had to see it for myself, he says. What'd you think about this reveal? Jeez. I was like, what the fuck happened to him? You know, we talked about in the last episode, or two episodes ago, like, they were talking about diseases. Yeah. You know, like, maybe they were like, oh, if I would have passed this on to whoever, whatever, you know, he talks about there are so many new diseases. Yeah, so we see Manny. Yeah, he's all (laughs) blue, and he's, like, hooked up. 
You know, he looks pretty... Like, if you took away the color, that's still awful looking. Yeah. And then the fact that they colored his skin that bluish-gray with yeah. the reddish yes. circles yeah. in the eyes. It reminds me a lot of um, the descriptions I've read of, like, radiation poisoning oh, okay and then yeah. also no they and they even uh like chernobyl right. did some of that too yeah that's what that reminds me of manning says i wish i was there hellboy especially now that you're back it's been a while since you were in the field tom hellboy responds after everything i've seen manning says can't believe i won't be around long enough to see how this turns out you might be hellboy responds uh, it's that close people man that's just crazy. If Manning about. can stick around for seven more issues. <laughs> Jeez. Back in Jasper, Maggie leads Abe through a clearing and towards a large cave. She gestures towards it and talks in that frog language. Howard's follows behind. And I like how there's something cool going on with these three panels over here because we see the back of Abe's head. He's looking in the direction of the cave and then we just focus in on his eye. I thought that was really interesting. Like, it, it made me linger on that a little bit. You know what I mean? And we have a flashback to the Garden 3, where Abe met Alice in England slash the new fairy world, home of the new world tree. You have to go, Abe. I'm so sorry, she said. Abe snaps out of it, and Maggie's mom approaches. She says Maggie wanted Abe to see the cave in case you make it back and we're already gone. Hyperborum, Maggie whispers. Oh, shit. The last panel on this page, they do this a lot in the series, I noticed, where they they cut scenes before the page turn. Which, it's yeah, good. It's good. It's not typically what you, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a device, but I just don't, I don't notice artists doing it that much or writers doing it that much. Usually the scene change is with, with the page turn. Yeah, it's but interesting. When, yeah, once you turn the page though, you've already seen what's going on. Yeah. So what they're doing is it's they're it's mm-hmm. so cinematic. They're you wouldn't reveal the whole entire breadth of the in scene. Right. You would have you would focus on these characters like what the fuck and then show yeah the horrific thing. So yeah, that's it's great that you pointed that out because yeah, that is really effective. I like that the a lot. The pacing of the series is very tight and very very dense. There's a lot going on on every page. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ross, because just like the Abe series did this a little bit, where we were cutting back and forth between two different things within the same couple pages, and we're kind of doing that here, too. But almost to, like, the reverse effect, because I would say that that Abe Sapien was pretty decompressed storytelling. Right, right. Whereas here, I mean, they're, they're getting a lot of information in every issue. Yeah. So we cut over to the BPRD team in South Dakota. They went looking for those cult members, and they're shocked to find them all dead. We even see Handkerchief Guy. Maybe that's Gene from the Abe Sapien series. He's dead, too. That's the one that they were watching the video of. Chapter 2, we get another amazing cover by Sebastian Fumara. I love this. Um, because we know yeah. that Ashley Strode is the exorcist, and Vivara is the demon. So, yeah, this is great. We open up in Yamsay, Oregon. If that location sounds familiar, it's because we were here a year ago, back in episode 68, when we covered BPRD The Exorcist. In that story, Ashley Strode, with her newfound powers, passed down and taught to her by Odabenga, fought the demon Balam, and slayed him with her flame sword. And then she released all the souls that he consumed. Do you remember that devil? He was like... It, it, it was cool because in the mythology, 
he has three heads, but in the comic they made him change heads. Like yeah, he had that's a human cool. head and that's then a bull head and then a goat head it or was something like that. Psychedelic. Yeah. If I remember right, this shack, I think maybe in one of the sketchbooks they talk about it or even show a picture, but this is a real shed somewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I looked it up. It's about a three hour drive from where I live um, over by Crater Lake. Oh, wow. That is awesome, Ross. Wow. I don't know. I, I have no idea where this, this specific shack is, but yeah, supposedly, uh, I can't remember one of the other creators who worked on it, like had this specific place in mind when he read the script. Awesome. Yeah, we should all go hang out there once this is all over. Uh, let's all go to hmm. <laughs> let's all go to Yamsay, Oregon. Hmm. Here, Vavara using the knife that killed Satan. She's doing some fucked up shit. She's bringing Balan back. In her incantation, she mentions Please. Asher. This is an East Semitic god and the head of the Assyrian pantheon in the Mesopotamian religion. Worship mainly in the northern half of Mesopotamia. Nice. He may have a solar iconography. She also mentions the Seal of Solomon. This is a signet ring attributed to King Solomon in medieval Jewish tradition and in Islamic and Western occultism. It is often depicted in either a pentagram or hexagram shape. By the blood of Satan, you are free to serve me, your new lord, she says. Hmm. And Balaam rises. So now she's bringing this guy back yeah. that Ashley Strode killed in that one story. Is this she... is another like example for me of, of kind of like how the different styles can change your, your interpretation. Yeah. And so like in the original Ashley Strode story, this guy looks sort of cartoony. Yeah. Kind of almost kind of goofy, except for the fact that he's munching on dead Kid. right right so it's, it's kind of like this weird thing where the cartooniness almost makes it more awful because how horrible what's going on <laughs> versus this is just very intimidating like, yeah this is like you know the balrog or something from lord of the rings it's oh yeah there's no there's no question about whether or not this guy is gonna be a threat oh yeah fumara's version is much more menacing is she biting off more than she can chew here uh, I'm starting uh, right? to worry about hmm. if she's. Uh, you're you're going whoa whoa Bavara. Yeah, she I, might I, be. I know you have the the knife that killed Satan, but <laughs> you know she's 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 pretty um, ambitious. Yeah, and uh, especially considering she spent how many decades. Yeah, in a I just wonder like <laughs> which may or may not have you know affected her. Um, I don't know if she's overplaying her hand hmm. or what. Okay. Like she's. That she she seems pretty confident, right? And as we all know, it's a lot of hubris, hubris. to be uh, thrown around there. It's uh, kind of a lot. That's interesting because I actually didn't take it that way. I kind of because I I know we're gonna get into this later in the next couple issues or sure. later, in the, and they start to question her. But I I feel like she's still more powerful than they are. Hmm. Yes, right now. But uh, I feel like she's your, setting are, herself up for. Quite a tumble. She's setting herself up for, for quite a long fall here. Hey, Avery, are you having any weird dreams lately? Mm. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> well, hey. I have weird dreams all the time. Uh. Like, uh, just yesterday, I was... Never mind. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about that crap. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not doubting how powerful she is right here. I am wondering... If she'll be she... able to keep this up. Okay. Over in South Dakota, the BPRD agents inspect the massive dead bodies that they discovered, and they find one that's not dead. 
Strode wants to take him to a controlled location. She hasn't had an opportunity like this. Exorcism in a lab. Back up in the ship. Jiroko and Nichols question taking Hellboy into the field. And the team bring up the undead lone survivor. And this agent comes up. Agent Sherman, Hellboy. Long time no see. It's Moro. It's this fucking guy from the book. Yeah, I was he, so glad that you caught that yeah, reference. It's this guy. Ross, you actually sent me a private message and you were like, what makes the story canon when we did yeah, the promised yeah. smile? It's this thing. And I was like, I don't remember. It's something from Devil You Know. It's this panel right here that makes it canon because Morrow comes up. So this was back in our... Where's his Shunai? Doesn't he know Kendo? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what should, isn't he, shouldn't he be doing some Kendo here? Uh, karate chop the, yeah. uh, the zombies. We um, talked about this back in episode 101. And I love we get an actual panel of this the... Is, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. This looks fucking yeah. awesome. From the promised smile. I don't even remember this because I read these issues. And for some reason, I didn't even remember this at all. I, I must have just glossed over it or just been like, oh, that must have been... I was oh, on the couch so- reading this and I was like, hey, it's this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah. lost it when i got to these panels i was like oh my god oh my god that story we yeah. read <laughs> this this image of yeah. the smile is so yeah. much creepier than what i was imagining it's yeah it's fucking it's it's good yeah why do you think they would in- include that like I'm, I'm kind of at a loss though for what to remind us of this guy into it to remind us of this story i don't know that like, most of the i'm assuming most of the comic readers did not read no yeah books. maybe i'm wrong but i yeah, guess it was I, just a little like a little i don't know maybe he really liked the story well i, I think that th- when we talked about canon or not and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. you know mark tweedell had mentioned that mignola doesn't really say that stuff is canon or not so that way he can decide if he wants to use it sure and so i'm thinking maybe they needed another agent for these stories because marl's going to come back up okay he, he's going to continue to be... They're like, well, why don't we just pull a guy and from the... They're like, oh, well, we have a guy. Remember that sure. guy that did Kendo and swam with Hellboy or whatever? And they're Wouldn't like... Wouldn't it be cool if... Because Hellboy came back and well, he'll he'll recognize... The more people that will recognize Hellboy, the better or something like that? Yeah, or? I don't know. Okay. Okay. So actually, I was actually about to say that whole same thing because like oh, okay. right now we're dealing with... We're, we're dealing with a bunch of agents that we know, but Hellboy doesn't know and they don't know Hellboy. Yeah. And so oh. here's here's another agent that these guys know... Who also knew Hellboy. He went on an adventure with him, yeah. 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 And so he's all like, hey, this Hellboy's cool. Sure, sure. That's good. And so uh, I wonder I wonder if um, it's one of those things also where it was just like, I like this guy. I'm going to put him in here. Yeah. You know, I wonder if part of it was just like, ah, I like this guy. Yeah. I totally I'll think so. I there. think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Where's Leechy Boy? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Sydney Leechy's. Where's, where is Sydney Leechy's? Where's Leechy Boy? As Morrow walks off, he mentions a 20-hour shift. Liz says the agents are spread thin. In the morning, they'll get Abe and together. Sure, Hellboy says, together. It's very close now. And what's this look that Liz gives Hellboy when he says that? Maybe it's like, does he know something? Right, yeah. Yeah. We get a scene with Jiroko and her son Connor. He's up late with a bad dream. Over on the Texas Gulf Coast, Vivara is stirring up even more trouble. Yeah. She brings back Bifrons. Remember Bifrons? Yeah. He was trapped in a bottle, being used by Arbogast in Abe Sapien, A Darkness So Great. Abe killed Arbogast to save Diana, 
and then Arbogast fell on the bottle, freeing Bifrons. See, the more, the more, the more of these different elements that she brings in, the more of a potential there is that she won't be able to control all these right. various elements. And I know she probably has a master plan and everything, but that's always how it fucking goes. Sure, is that like, and that that hubris starts to take over. Of like, nah, nothing can go wrong. I got this all figured out. Yeah. I'm powerful. I'm smart. What could fucking happen? And so I wonder if like, what if she misses something? What if there's like a little loophole yeah. or something that's going to be like, ah, but you forgot about this shit. So now where you don't fucking control us and we're going to fucking run amok or some yeah. shit. I don't know. I don't know. Something about this is very like foreshadowy mm. to me. Part of it, I think, is is just sort of the the balance and power dynamics. Is yeah, we've waited so long <laughs> to see Ableys and Hellboy together again. Yeah. Plus, they've got Howards and some of these other new characters now. So Howards, if it was just Vivara and Von Klimt and Cronin, that's kind of like none of them on like on their own is really that impressive. So and she can control to, to all of up. those people. Yeah. 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 It's the shorthand thing in comics. Like if if you have Thanos get punched out in one hit by Squirrel Girl, you know she's the strongest person in the entire. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a thing they do with Wolverine all the time, where they pair him up with. They're like, well, we have this new character that we're pretty sure nobody likes. What if we just hook them up with Wolverine, and all of a sudden, yeah. Well, kid, I think you're cool. So now everyone automatically thinks they're fucking cool. Sure. Have the kid yeah. Pride it's, with um. What was her name? Especially if you think. I'm trying to think where we've seen her the most would have been the broom stories. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Which weren't, I don't think, like, they're not part of the main numbering of the BPRD. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, but, I think they're, they're so their own, yeah, thing. It's potential that, like, this is also to kind of people who might have missed some of her appearances. Okay, yeah. Kind of get get more of the idea that, okay, she's, she's a big deal. She is a big deal, and she's very powerful, and that is, you know... Very impressive and everything, but I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah, and I like this detail I forgot to mention. We see Vavara drawing the Solomon Seals yeah. when she's raising Bifrons and um, what was the other one? Balam. Yeah. We, I like that little detail in there. I love the painty, ethereal look yeah. here. It's kind of like that weird... Uh, what is there was a movie where um this is gonna be this is gonna sound so silly but when uh you know the keanu reeves is constantine when he's like in hell that like weird oh yeah i love that kind of effect that's on everything of like it being sort of it's like ethereal but in a like kind of a really um intense way like it's very everything's kind of on fire a little bit sure yeah And so this kind of reminds me of like it's there's a lot of movement here it's very sketchy and windy and kind of i love that i I like this it's very like painting quality and just like ross mentioned when we saw balam this version of bifrons is much more intimidating than what we've seen he's essentially a giant frog right right. you know but here he looks truly evil and yeah the ring very prominent oh yeah oh yeah nice detail there Above Southern Illinois in the BPRD ship, here's Hellboy again looking out the window. And what does he see this time? Jeez. Check a T. Yeah. I've been wondering, like, is is she ever going to fucking come up again? Right. Because she was constantly, every single chance she got, saying the same thing, which is, 
hey, Hellboy, you and me. Yeah. When this is all over, it's just you and me. Yeah. At the end, it's going to be us constantly. And then I was like, oh, I guess that did not happen. Or did it? You're you're asking on the the last page when when Hellboy's like, yeah, together. Yeah. here's, Here's that together line again. And then, and in the next panel, they show Liz looking oh, at Hellboy. Yeah, yes. oh. it must be the I, way that he says it. I have asked Mark Tweedell to explain the whole Black Goddess Hecate Liz connection multiple times, yeah. and I still am kind of like confused by that. <laughs> but, it makes perfect. sense. But you know, sense. like they have made those connections before. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I love that. Great job, sense. Ross. Yeah, that's perfect. That could not be more perfect. I love it. I love this fucking story so much. We pick up on a nice little callback to Ichthyosapien, the story that we read last week. Remember, Liz was like, there he is. And they find Abe. And remember, I was like, what is this look that Liz is giving Abe? Remember at the end of that story, the way that Gluskova mm-hmm. had drawn her facial expression? And now it makes more sense because Liz says, boy, do I have a surprise for you. That's what that face was. She was like, you're about to meet Hellboy again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen those pages because I just have the trade. I don't have the. Uh, I, I looked and it's not in the trade. It's only in the omnibus, I guess. Well, didn't Mark tell us that those pages were withheld? Yeah. Because this, this issue hadn't come out yet, yeah. and they didn't want to spoil anything. They were only in the omnibus version. And Abe's like, "You can't really tell me until we get up there." And she's like, "Oh, it would have to be big news for me to follow rules, right?" Yeah. Abe wants to say goodbye, Maggie, the mom says. And Maggie comes out, and she meets Liz also. And so we always talked about, like, how is it the right-hand path when they have the left hand? Here she, yeah. It's the other way around, and that kind of explains it. I love how they kind of show that there. Yeah. You don't know how many times I've been putting my hand up to my head trying to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, though. I like like that. They show these three simple panels really um, give you so much. Right. It's really fantastic. And what is that? I mean, we haven't seen Maggie do that. I, I mean, love we this. know yeah. we know Liz has, she's connected with the Vril, all this kind of stuff. So She's a super you know. brave little shaman, and I really like the way that they characterize her. Right. It's like there's like a, it's like there's a 50-year-old shaman lady right. packed into this tiny child. She's like opposite Vivara. She's like little. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and she speaks in that frog language. I don't know what else to call it. Hyperbrin. There language, we go. I guess. Howard's translates. She says she won't see us again. She wishes us well in what we. And then and she then... interrupts him and yells something. And he's like, and the mom's like, well, she says that she will. And he's like, I know what she said. And they're just like, ooh. I, was, yeah. I loved it when Howard said, I know what she said. It's good. And they're just he's, like, yeah, well, we don't know. <laughs> he's withholding information from the rest of the team for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, the mom is trying to sugarcoat what the kid said. And Howard's like, I know what she said. Right. Oh, I, I took it the because, opposite. Well, only because of the way that she, Howard is translating, and then she turns and looks, and there's that look on her face. It's just like, hmm. Yeah. I took it that so Howard says she won't see us again, and the mom's going to be like, well, no, she's going to see some of you again, right, or something. That was how I took it. Uh, it's be like, something. You know, like, yeah. Uh. And and then and then it shows Abe and Liz like, what was that all about? And then the the you know the the deer that they're dressing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we focus in on that bucket of blood. Back up in the ship, we get this awesome image. Yeah. Just so cool to see the trio back together. Abe is saying, 
And then uh, he had all these tapes of us on hypnotism talking about Professor Broom. Oh, right. Yeah, from regressions. I love Liz's line. She's like, that surprised you? Yeah, she's not. She just assumed that Broom was recording everything and, you know, surveilling all of them probably. One thing I just think of is looking at this panel. I was glad a couple issues back when they talked about her looking 20 years younger than her age. Yeah. Because that was one little nitpicky thing that always kind of bothered me about the way Liz is drawn. Sure, yeah. Is is that because she, she should be pushing 60, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't draw her <laughs> looking no. like that. So She looks like so she's least, in her I, 30s. Like, for me, they they acknowledged it. And it was like, oh, it's her real powers keeping her young. Okay, yeah. I don't have to sure. criticize the artist for wanting <laughs> to draw her young. Yeah, she's she's like 10 years older than I am. She was born in like 64, right? Because I remember I saw it, it showed her birthday and I was like, oh, that's 10 years older than me. Right. So I, I do agree with you, Ross, though, that I, I like the fact that they addressed it that because... Otherwise, it would be, yeah. why the fuck are you drawing her like she's in her 30s? Well, and, and I think before she tapped into the Vril, Guy Davis did draw her yeah. kind of age. Yeah. You know, she had like yeah. the bags under her eyes. Aged, yeah. yeah, appropriately aged. Yeah. She looked more her age, I think, when Guy Davis was drawing her. And then when she tapped into the Vril. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I believe it. And for a long time, I just chalked that up to the art style or maybe them not realizing the age of the character. Yeah. And I, I know. you know, in any other situation, I'd be like, oh, so she's got a special power that makes her perpetually young and beautiful. Cool. Okay, comic book artist. However,. Abe is a grotesque fish man Hellboy is a one-eyed demon that died and came back to life so okay yeah sure you know what all right we have we had a a ghost gas man in a bag for a while yeah we've had uh Roger's butt hanging out Roger's butt hanging out (laughs) we had a mummy lady glorious butt hanging out we had a mummy lady who very much looked her age for and uh (laughs) you know so okay yeah, I'll 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 buy that. It's, although it's fine. Although I, I would also like to point out that there are certain celebrities that out there, you know, and I know that they have money to keep themselves looking younger, but they don't look like they're in their fifties. What I assume, what you not the way like us commoners 50s. would look in our fifties. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. like you said, they have you know <laughs> yeah. money, right? So yeah, well, I, I did preference that they have. No, money absolutely, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one hundred percent the money for sure. Yeah, this is this is actually where in my notes that I took, I, I started doing my fan casting because I know that Danielle likes to do that. I do. Oh, let's so, hear it. I let, yeah, let's so hear it. So for for Liz, this is a bit of a tangent. And you can cut this or move it. That if you need great. To. For Liz, I did uh, Mia Jovovic, even oh, though she her. was the Blood Queen in the Hellboy movie. I think. Yeah. First. Yeah, I love her. Um, and then or. Even Marissa Tomei, but like oh, love Marissa Tomei. my cousin Vinny, like personality, not Aunt May personality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Marissa Tomei has come out and said that she wishes that she wouldn't have taken mother roles, so this would be perfect for her. Because both of them would be like closer to the to the correct age, but you know, yeah, still have that personality and stuff. Awesome. Um, I'll do that. Do you want me to go through the whole list? Oh, yeah, you have more? Let's do, do it. Do you have Howard's? Because yeah, Ted Howard's would be... I looking at the sketchbook. I've been thinking a lot about who I would uh, cast as Ted Howard's. I still haven't really landed who, who, on who it. No, 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 say? you go, you go. I just, I haven't landed on anything yet. I have, I, like, a list. When you were talking about, like, the beefcake in that last Abe series, I was sure. just like... I was like, why not just, like, one of the Marvel Chris's, you know? Just a Hemsworth. Like, just throw one of the Hemsworths. Yep. Just yep. throw a dart <laughs> at a list of the Hemsworths. <laughs> And then Devin Orlando Jones. Oh, yeah. Okay. I okay. love him. Okay. I can see that. Phoenix. I was 
I was thinking like Kristen Ritter. She might you might need to cast a younger, but right, right. But I see what you're. I see the style that you're going Kristen with. Ritter yeah, for, Kristen Ritter right. for Liz, though. Okay, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh man. For Ashley Strode, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Huh. Oh, okay. That's an interesting okay. choice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then for Jeroko, at first I was thinking uh, Carla Gugino, Spy Kids mom, but then I was thinking like someone a little bit more newer actor, like Ruby Rose, who's not someone you would traditionally see as a mom role, because I think that would be... But she does look like Jeroko, kind of. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Nice. I, I couldn't... I wasn't sure about O'Donnell. Obviously, there's lots of great character actors. <laughs> I, I went with Mark Hamill just because I'd like to see oh, him play more crazy yeah. old men. That's yes. great. Wow, that's a good one. I think that's settled. <laughs> I think that one's settled. Wait, did, did you, you say Howard's? That... You, did you, you said one of the Hemsworths, right? That was your Howard's? No, that was I had interjected. Oh, I apologize. What did, what did you say for that? I just said one of the Chris's. Okay, there sure, you go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> throw, um, one, throw one to Liam Hemsworth. Right now. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Who's the one that's in Westworld? The other. Oh, I haven't seen the, Westworld. The oh, <laughs> you should check out Westworld. Um, crap, I can't remember. It's it's one of the Hemsworths. Okay, the one that nobody remembers. Liam is the one that was in the Hunger Games, right? Yep, yep. And yeah. he. Uh, yeah, he, he would be a good pilot. Howard's. I think he would be a good Howard's. I could see him as Howard's. And he also played uh, the actor Thor in Ragnarok when real Thor. That was super funny. (laughs) That was so good. That was great. And then, so then the last two for for Abe, I was thinking of going like a 180 from the, uh, you know, Niles Kramer approach Uh and have someone like do like Andy Serkis doing the motion capture in the voice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Andy Serkis would be awesome. I mean, he is good at that type of shit. I wonder what he would do with that. That is so interesting. Who was the guy that did Darth Maul? Ray Park. Ray Park. Ray Park. I like Ray Park a lot. For who? For Howard's? No, just for someone who who is has to act with their whole entire body all the time. Okay. You, he get oh, him for in there Abe. just in anywhere and somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. Put him in there okay. in some weird ass role. Yeah. Would be cool. I love yeah, it. I love all these <laughs> casting choices. Yeah, for for Hellboy, I, I I don't think you can get any better than Ron Perlman. Mm. Um, I don't know. I really like David Harbor. Yeah. I mean, I I like David Harbor. I think there's issues with that movie that didn't have to do with his cast. Sure, they yes. yeah, they both have exactly. their they both have their. Yes. I, I wish I wish he would get another chance role. at it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see I would like to see Harbor get another chance. Ron Perlman is obviously great, but you're right, it, it, it he wasn't the problem with that movie. I, yeah. I was I was thinking <laughs> if you if you did Hellboy like CG kind of like a Thanos or something, and 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 so the physicality didn't come into play, who would you have voice him? And mm-hmm. I want to. I almost want to go with something kind of obvious, like Tom Waits or something, with the very, sure. very distinctive voice. Sure. Oh yeah, that would be cool. What about uh, Keith David, who did the voice of Gargoyles? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm not oh. sorry, Goliath and Gargoyle. He also yeah. did Spawn too. Yeah. Well, so but the Than- the Thanos thing, like that was that that guy, like he what the Josh heck? Brolin. Josh Brolin. Like yeah. they had him in, in the, the mocap capture, suit with yeah. the dots yeah. on Brolin his face. Would make and... a decent Hellboy too. Hey, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. I love this. Great job. I love Casting Corner. Thank you so much. That was very <laughs> thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. That was good stuff. Abass Hellboy about his adventures. 
I found this little house on the beach, Hellboy says. Quiet place and all the trouble, all the noise from, you know, it was just gone. Sounds like you miss it. Liz responds. And it's just a shot of the house. Yeah, I love this Fumara uh-huh. version. Yeah. We, we we just saw yeah, it a yeah. couple pages ago, the Mignola version, but there's something so delicate and yeah. so soft about this depiction that I really like. It makes me, like, I immediately was like, oh, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't miss it? Yeah. Of course he does, you know? It immediately was like, I want to go there, you know, too. <laughs> I want to. That's my world, Liz, Hellboy says. I guess it's what the Beast of Apocalypse business was all about. What do you mean, world, Abe asks. Were you dead, Liz asks. Well, yeah, but the thing is... So you were in hell, Abe asks. I'm still there, Hellboy responds. So, like... Because uh, we saw that he's Roger. Yeah. So, like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah, man. You know what I mean? It kind of breaks my brain a little bit. It's and that it's, interdimensional. And it's, it's kind of something that doesn't really need to make sense, but no, it still yeah. makes sense. But it's like, whoa. Realities are, realities are overlapping <laughs> went, and shifting. And My mind went to, like, uh, The Last Jedi with Luke Skywalker projecting himself. Yes. Okay. I feel like, okay. Like Hellboy is projecting himself using Roger's remains I love it. as a vessel. I love yes. it. You did it. I you explained it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I didn't know how to explain it, but Ross, you did it perfectly. Right on. Right on. <laughs> and I love throughout the scene we keep seeing Phoenix. She's over there trying to eat her food. She's like, "What the hell is going on over there?" Yeah, see, that's the you thing know? is her mistrustfulness makes me nervous. Like she's going to try and do something. Okay. And I need her to chill the fuck out cuz she's making me nervous. Uh, she needs to chill. Yeah. See, see I I kind of give her a little bit of empathy because if 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 they're going to dump anyone out of the plane, you know, on the side of the road, it's going to be her. <laughs> yeah. 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 So she and and she has nothing. Like this is her Kind of like her new family that she's taken on. Well, but and then she shot not, one of them. <laughs> yeah, she, exactly. She's not welcome. Yeah. All Abe so. has to say is that one shot me, and they'll throw her off the yeah. ship. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah. I'm not. Well, I'm not advocating. Like, I'm not saying they need to throw her off the side <laughs> of this ship. I just, uh, you know, like she's, she's making me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> also, don't forget to get Devin was whispering into her yeah, ear. Yeah, and it's a whole and, thing. And. And she's like, hey, Liz, we need to talk. And Liz yeah. is like, not now. I don't know about this. Yeah. And then Liz is sitting over there with the person she shot. She obviously, I think she's feeling a little guilty about that. Right. And she doesn't know who Hellboy is. And we also, you know, we're not seeing Eris right now. Yeah. But this look, you know, we know that's going to come into play in, in soon. Oh, yeah. The look on her face here, I, I'm reading that as wary. Okay. And so if she's on guard, who's she looking at? What's she going to do? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I love this. I don't know. Over in the lab, Strode is conducting her exorcism. Love her. O'Donnell and Devin stand by. And I love this transition on the bottom of the page where she's got the mala beads and it transforms into the flame sword. So you remember, like, she can go into this alternate reality where she's holding the beads. It's something but but alternate reality. But in her mind, she's she's holding the sword. And so she's seen like a vision. I it see it looks like movement here too. Like there's so much movement yes. here of like it's so dynamic. It's very like I can I don't know. I can see in my mind's eye, I can see the sword like happening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and the way that that happens is so and every oh, little detail down to the like the, the lighting that's happening here is so good. Amazing work by Sebastian Fumara. 
and she sees Vivara and her crew. She can see what they're doing. Man. Ah, you found us, Vivara says. And uh, Strode recognizes Balam. She's like, I sent you back to hell. But Vivara says, no, Mighty Exorcist, you bound him once more to your world. Because remember, hell's closed. Yeah. So Vivara's like, <laughs> you thought you were getting rid of him, but you really didn't. And she, so she's speaking through this guy. Yeah, so Vivara's... So they can hear all this whole conversation. Exactly. It's, you know what I mean? This is, this is fucking cool. As Strode is doing her incantation, she mentions Jesus Christ and Andraste. This is a Isenic war goddess invoked by Boudicca in her fight against the Roman occupation of Britain in AD 60. Her name has been translated as meaning indestructible or unconquerable. Strode knows Vivara is not a child, and she calls on Ama, Matsya, and Tyrannus to show her true face. Ama is a supreme go- creator god in the religion of the Dagon people of West Africa. Matsya is a fish avatar of the Hindu god Vishnu, often described as the first of Vishnu's ten primary avatars. Tyrannus is the Celtic god of thunder. Vivara says that by Strode steering the last children of Broom towards her, she is actually bringing the end of all things. And Hellboy and Abe, they enter in right at this moment. They're like, what's going on in here? Yeah, jeez. And then this little demon guy that's hanging around there, he's like, Hellboy! And so uh, Vivara and all of them, they see Hellboy. And I love this panel yeah. where Hellboy looks back because I don't know if you remember in Hellboy in Hell when he came back as a giant mountain Hellboy with the giant yeah, wings. That's the guy. And then he looked at the tower and then he called down the lightning. And when he looked over, it reminded me like th- that's what this panel reminded yeah. me of is when he looks over at the tower with his one eye. This little demon, I'm interpreting this as the one that he said he would remember yeah. when he came into his kingdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the same little, little which I don't think he's ever named, but he's kind of like the ringleader of all the little lower class demons. Right. Right. Yeah. And I love this work by Fumara you know, back and forth with this vision. And the way that he draws these demons are so terrifying. So down on that last panel, yeah, when she's swinging the sword, Hellboy is existing in both realms with Ashley, yeah. but Abe is not. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So cool. Great detail. Yeah. So he can pass beyond that veil. Nobody else can. Yeah. That is so cool. Thanks for pointing that out, Ross. Oh, so fucking good. Be gone, fly far from the church of God to thy nest of serpents, Strode commands. She just takes this guy's sidearm. And just blows the zombie guy's head off. Devon freaks out. We do not do that, he says. <laughs> per- God, the way that he takes his sidearm back. He's like, he swipes it back from Strode. Oh, and O'Donnell says, perhaps it's time that we do. Ye- um, I totally agree there. Remember in BPRD Russia where they had like a guy chained up with all these sigils yeah. and there was like a ghost thing and they were examining it and then Yosef just came up and blew his head yeah. off. Like it kind of reminded me of that moment yeah. too. Like Strode has some of that badassery i'm just gonna do whatever the hell i want that yosef kind of had to you know and maybe you know it was his undoing in the end you know what i mean that kind of confidence so anyway but i don't i don't ever get that impression from her she never seems to be out of her depth she always seems to be making the correct move okay to me i i kind of took it as like she wasn't just like trying to be like bad she i feel like she was closing that door right she did what had to be done i mean that's well i think they're gonna say it later uh 
Oh, uh, one of them says something really good. We'll come back to it. I can't remember what it is now. Sure. Devin's like, but the protocol. And she's like, okay, um, except, you know. They're literally demons literally on Earth. They're literally demons, so I don't, uh, I don't know about that. Over in central Missouri, we get a great action beat by Fumara. Howard soars through the air. Yes. He, Liz, Nichols, and some more BPRD agents drive some hammerheads into the woods. Phoenix watches from the command center. And mentions that these missions are like sports for the agents. Devon says it helps them burn off steam. And it's better than trying to kill all the monsters. So they're just trying to drive them back into certain areas, I and guess. And he's, he's, you know, still trying to be like, hey, we're pals. Right, because they have a connection. We're cool. They had that one mission that they went on together and stuff like that where he was undercover following her tribe. So she, he's, he kind of sees her. In, I'm gonna, I am don't know like uh, if you guys see it this way, but uh, as I'm reading this, it feels to me like he sees her as like, this may be the one fucking yes, person I totally agree. left in the world that might be on my side, on my team, that might... Right. You know what I mean? That I might be able to... That might... Respect me. Yeah, exactly. Unlike that, everybody you know, else And so does. nobody else has any respect for me. Nobody likes me. Nobody <laughs> wants anything to do with me. Maybe this person, I can still... Oh, yeah. I can do through her. And she's a powerful person. So maybe I can still work through her. Right. Somehow. And, and you're talking about yeah. he brings her the hoodie yeah. that she wore through all of hell on earth. He's but when, like, hey, I saved this for you. And she's like, I don't know. Well, when she looks at it, she thinks of shooting Abe. Yeah. And so she says, thanks, but you've outgrown it, Devon ass. Yeah, she responds. In more ways so, than one, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with what, what you were saying, Danielle. I definitely feel like he, he knows that he's, maybe he doesn't know, but he definitely knows. He, he has feels, to know. He he has to yeah. know that he's losing control and he's trying to shore up support yeah. in a way that he's all like, you know, that, that doesn't make any damn sense. Just fucking Devin, stop being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is you know, stop being such a dick. These people are on your side. Stop yeah. Yeah. not trusting the people who have been in the Bureau longer than you have. <laughs> it's like Survivor. And, like, everyone's trying to form alliances <laughs> yes. when they should all just be trying to help everyone. Yes. Yeah. And to me, this 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 also kind of, I don't know, that made me think about, well, why don't I like Devin? I had to go back and think about it. And I had I was like, well, why don't I like Phoenix? And I I thought about it for a second. And I feel like he's reaching out to her and like, hey, we are the same. Mm. I can relate to you and you can relate to me. No one understands you. like, And that the hoodie is kind of this like a symbol right. of, like, I did things that people didn't like, but I did it because it had to be done. Yeah. And you also are like that. We're we're together. Yeah. And she was like, no, actually, I don't like this memory. Right. So that made me be like, hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I should think about how I feel about this character because she's starting to be like, actually, no. Right. I'm rejecting this part of my past. And So I don't know. And, and that totally makes sense because artistically- yeah. They've changed her too. Yes. Like she's had, she's cut her hair and now she's rocking the striped sweatshirt sure. instead of the skull hoodie from before. So I think like that is also signifying yeah. that she literally looks different yeah. too. So I'm starting to think, hey, if she is rejecting things from her past that she doesn't like about herself, I'm back on board with yeah. her. Like, yeah, we can all grow and change from things that we regret. That's cool with me. 
but so if that's really what she's doing if she's growing and changing from things that she and she actually regrets that i'm on like sure i'll give you a shot great but this just cements Devin to me more as like, uh, hey, don't you want to kill yeah. your teammates? <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, actually, I don't like that, Devin. So that's that kind of was what that was for me a little bit. I love that. Over in the brig, remember the BPRD still have Kurtz in their custody. They've had him in custody oh, yeah. since Howard's captured him. The Project Ragnarok Weasel back in BPRD Reign of the Black Flame. O'Donnell questions Kurt. I just hear Mark Hamill now. Yeah. <laughs> That's that was great. great casting. That's great. O'Donnell questions Kurt as to why they wanted to bring the Ogdruhem back. To what end? Only to see the world burn? Even if this chaos leads to the death of all men, is there any point of it, Kurt asks. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. He's just like, yeah, and I was proud to do my part in making all this happen. This is when I realized that nobody's shooing off O'Donnell to go take his meds anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a, he's a oh. chill because he, he's been so concerned about all this stuff. And now that it's happening, he, he's kind of like, he doesn't have that burden. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's like, it's here. Everyone else is facing it too. I'm not crazy. I'm, you know. Oh, I love that. Well, yeah. no one's treating him like a second class fucking citizen Right, anymore. like they were before. They were like, They're take him to his room. They're treating him like he's a human person <laughs> who has worth. And I, that's also my he's account like, for the difference in his behavior. He's like, I can talk about this crazy stuff and people don't think I'm crazy. Yeah. I love Howard's just flailing, just a, could not be more akimbo. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I love this. We cut back over to Howard's and Leonid battling those hammerheads on the ship. Abe still has that memory of getting shot. And Hellboy and Liz surveil the agents in battle. I like how the memory of him getting shot is colored the same way when Phoenix is looking at the hoodie and reminding her. Remind yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love that. They're doing a lot of close-ups of Abe's eyes. That's yes. Nice. And, we, you know, we talked about this a lot when... We had Matt on for those Ape Sapien stories, but he's always in his mind. Like, he's always thinking of something or he's preoccupied with some sort of memory. So, that, I think that that totally goes along with that. We cut over to New York City. Vivara talks to the two demons. They're pissed that Hellboy's alive. But Vivara says it changes nothing. From afar, Von Klempt and Cronin talk. And Cronin wonders if they've allied themselves with someone worse than Hellboy. Jeez. So remember when the Black Flame at the end where he's like, I made a mistake. Yeah. Like, I feel like Cronin is starting to have this moment where he's like, just like you were saying, like, hmm, is this, uh, I don't really know. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> this is what it takes is actual demons from hell being involved for Cronin to be like, hmm, That I don't might know. be a bridge too far. <laughs> are we know. the baddies here? Are we the baddies? Yeah. yeah. But, Absolutely uh, you know, are we the baddies moment. But, you know, still, fuck him, Nazi scum. Absolutely, no, but it's, it's it, he's saying it's comical from the standpoint of like, wait a minute. I is, might be doing bad stuff. I just think it's interesting to yeah. take this character that's been so Project Ragnarok yeah. heavy, you know, no actual yeah. trying to carry out this mission. <laughs> hmm. And then he gets to, just like we were talking about earlier, not every bad guy is all the way bad and not every good person is all the way good. There are these nuances and I think it's kind of funny and interesting that Cronin is even at a certain point. Like, he's all the way bad, but he is a coward. So he's like, I didn't mean actual <laughs> demons and monsters. I thought we were just doing like a, 
cosplay. Right. I thought we were just doing like a cosplay role play, like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of a thing. I didn't realize like we'd be talking about actual fucking demons and shit. I just wanted to be horrible and evil and like torture people. I didn't want to actually do like demons and shit. And yeah. so this is all, yeah. It's all a little bit much for him yeah. at this point, which is funny because he sucks. <laughs> I like to see him squirm. It's good. Let's talk about this. Your guy. I like him. I love this, right? Uh, uh, that is a fantastic moment. This I, is really good. I love this more than almost anything we've seen. This is good. Not only is it just an amazing page in of itself. Yeah. We talk about the composition, how these two panels are kind of overlaid I mean, just a the, larger image. Just the study. I mean, just as, as yeah. a, you know, as from the angle that Howard's is at. As a, uh, I mean, that's that's some chef's kiss anatomy there. That's, oh, yeah. That's a tough angle to draw a person at. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, that's like the hardest angle to draw. That's, that's good. <laughs> and we get Liz with the hair again. Oh, man, that is good stuff. <laughs> you know? I it, like it here. I, I think this there, is yeah. good here. In, yeah. in context, this is, because she's not saying anything. The look. It's a very is... Charlize Theron look. Oh, I love it. I love Ooh. this. So yeah. good. That's another good cast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would love to see Char- I would love to see Charlize Theron in anything. She's good, but... yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I and like you said, like the Hellboy, just very simply, your guy. I like him. Yeah, I, and I love you know all the the reaction here, and of course, why wouldn't he? He would love Howard. Yeah, of course he would. Oh yeah, you know, of course. There you go, Nichols. Says. There you go. Yeah. Have Have you ever seen the movie uh, Dead Man, the Western with Johnny Depp? I have not. No, I ha- that's one of those that everybody always told me I needed to watch, and I never did. It's on the list of movies that I'll probably want to get to but never get to it's good so there's a scene where they're in a train and then everyone starts getting out their rifles and sh- shooting buffalo hard at buffalo oh, outside the train and i think like crispin glover is in this scene okay and he's like oh man shooting buffalo <laughs> that's a really weird voice and uh. but so this i don't know for some reason like on this page the hammerheads in my mind stop being these like Sure, yeah. demonic creature things and they're just like they're just animals yeah they're just things running around the, the world that huh. like they're just like they just kind of this is the world now oh. right things are just as much a part of it as anything else at this Aww. point look they're shooting buffalo that's interesting. Uh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. They're digging around people's trash cans. <laughs> they, have yeah, to, exactly. they have to lock their trash cans now in this area. <laughs> like they're bears or something. Uh, another amazing chapter three cover by Fumara here. I love Vavara with the bloody hands. Jeez. Remember when we first saw her in BPRD 1946, up. she had the bloody hands. And uh, mm. we get Cronin there all BDSM'd up. And Von Klempt, I mean, this 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 portrait of Von Klempt is really amazing. Uh, Sebastian Fumara really uh, has an amazing style with with Max Fumara. I don't know which one is doing the the bulk of the duties here, but great cover. So this opening scene, I like stuff like this because it kind of like tells us where society is at, right? We see like a gas station sign. You see the gas is twelve ninety nine. That's thirteen bucks a a gallon that's of gas. Thirteen bucks a gallon, right there. Yeah, and Did it we, says like. Cash only, self-serve, pay inside. Yeah, you guys have talked about it quite a bit where we're we're always questioning like while we're seeing all the the crazy stuff, what what's life like for the average yeah. Joe? And how much are they trying to cling to some semblance of normalcy? Right. Sure. sure. So like this guy's still running his gas station. Gas <laughs> costs way more, but 
who 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 knows like how how much is the dollar even worth at this point? Right, yeah. right. Well, I remember. I mean, I, I what's remember- it gonna? You can charge thirteen bucks for gas, uh, but where are you going to go spend it on? What's yeah, I remember we saw something in the Abe Sapien series where they were having like a swap meet or something like that, right. or you know stuff like that. So I think it's interesting where we get to see kind of where the world is at. Maybe at- it's like if you don't, you know what I mean? Like if it's one of those things where he's like, "Yeah, fifty bucks. So what do you got?" Kind of a deal like Waterworld. Yeah, they were dealing in dirt and chits. Yeah, and all this various whatever. Well, that's worth about a gallon of hydro, which is water. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's like they're they're trading water and dirt and things they call chits, which to me just looked like a bucket of nuts and bolts and shit. Okay. So I wonder if it's like, yeah, it's twelve ninety nine a gallon, quote unquote. But if you happen to have like some stuff the guy wants, yeah, you'd be like, well, how about this? And he's like, well, throw that in, and you got yourself a deal. It, I don't know, like if you got a good a, pair of boots. How much does a long box of Hellboy comics get me? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I need to know how these it's translate into currency. Specific market, yeah. Anyway. I'll give you twelve ninety nine and nine tenths. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. You, this, you know, there'd be people who'd be using like Funko Pops as currency. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, shit. <laughs> we see this woman. She's asleep, and she gets a vision of the Vivara with the demons, and she's like, "Oh, you know, south on ninety three. They're going towards New York." This so, little guy was one of my favorite horrible guys. Yeah, we saw this Ogdraham horrible in Reign of the Black it's Flame, the, the toothy one. Yeah, yeah. The, the toothy guy. I, it's definitely a very distinct design. I definitely remember this one. Here's that family again that we saw walking amongst the dead, and they look like they're kind of getting out of their league now. Mm. You wear the face of a child, but worse, you have the mind of one, Bifron says. Your playfulness revealed us to our enemy, he tells Vivara. You did not even know they had Hellboy, Blem says, and there he's chewing on a guy just like he did in The Exorcist. It's so unsettling to see a cow eating flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, no shit, right? Yeah. There is no plan, only arrogance. But I know your true name, Bifron says. Yamyael. So remember, this name was first revealed in Vivara, that evil little Russian girl by Matt Strachbine. We but covered, remember. yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Oh yeah, we covered that story back in episode eighty-seven in April. Has it been that long? Yeah, it has. Fuck. <laughs> Bifron says that she stole a ring from a corpse and hasn't even the fist to wear it. So remember when her and Yosef they arrived in hell, she found a dead body there. God, I forgot the name of that demon. That that demon had a name, and she took the ring from them. Beezlebub gave me this, Bifron says, with his ring. I, too, want a new pandemonium on Earth, but who are you to lead it? I saved you, Vivara says, bound to Earth and to air, and the tool with which I freed you? She holds up the knife. And we get another flashback to that clang. I want to get all the clangs together. I want to yeah. go back and get uh, make a compilation of all of them. It's happened so <laughs> many times at this point. It's so iconic. I love that we can keep yeah. coming back to that. It's just, I love that they do that with the storytelling. Yeah. Where they can just show this panel. We know all the context of what's yes, going on. Yes, it's yeah. great. You fear Hellboy, but with this, he slew Satan and plunged hell into chaos. With this, I freed you, she tells Bifrons. With this, I command you. Over Missouri and the BPRD helicarrier, Jiroko still dreams of Vivara. Soon I shall see you, she tells her in the dream, while holding her son Connor's hand. And then when Jiroko wakes up, she's like, damn it. 
we get a quick glimpse of a news report. They're talking about the BPRD's missions. And is this supposed to be like Wolf Blitzer? Kind of looked like Wolf Blitzer to me. I was like, is that who they're Fumara's channeling uh, here? Well, he is on CNN, so... The situation room. Maybe. <laughs> and we see Nichols is popping a pill, and Hellboy and Abe whisper to each other on the other side. Shout out to Clem Robbins <laughs> with the tiny whisper dialogue. Yeah. But you don't think Roger was there in hell until you saw him, Abe asks? I don't know. I just don't think either of us could have got here on our own, Hellboy responds. So, is he here? Abe asks, and Hellboy just kind of looks at him. I love that. Yeah. It's like, what is really going on there? Going along with this theme of people don't really respect Devon, even Phoenix is starting to argue with him now. Devon's still pissed at Strode for shooting that guy, but Phoenix says they need her, and can sense something's wrong with Jiroko. She reaches out to Jiroko, and Carla drops her tablet, and it shatters on the ground. And Jiroko screams out, not because she broke her device like I would be screaming, but (laughs) because she sees this super creepy image of Vavara as it falls to the ground. And then they all kind of look at her. This was another one of those moments that reminded me of Twin Peaks, where you got something staring at you from a a cracked... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really love that. And this depiction of Vavara is so creepy. But they, they just keep toying with this idea that like nobody is quite in their right mind yeah yeah i feel like this scene is also showing us that that devon is still trying to cling to a world before the Ogdru him even showed up right and that and i I feel like that's a lot of where his fear is coming from he's a i mean of course it's a fucking scary thing but he doesn't he can't adapt and move forward he stuck to the past. I love that, Aubrey. That's going to come. I want. I want sure, us to remember yeah. this conversation because yeah. this is going to come up again. Oh, oh, good thing we're recording it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. you, you notice we're right here on this page. It's it's subtle, but suddenly the the power dynamic shifts a little bit. Yeah, where where Phoenix is like, "Quiet, Devin." Yeah, yeah. yeah. She puts her hand oh, up to yeah. it. That last little semblance that he had. Yeah, is gone as and 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 like like you just said, the panel highlights that very uh, not subtly. It's very very prominent. It's just white. There's nothing else. It's It's really just yeah. They they like you said they they want us to rest on this moment. They want us to really pay attention and notice that power dynamic shift there. So that's yeah, very cool. And and everybody's looking at this too. So everybody's watching them. They're yeah. seeing this happen. And then Phoenix is like, okay, what do you know? And then Jiroko's going to tell her. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's going to pay off. And that's another thing that I love about this because when you always, when you have a character like this, like Jiroko, oh, she's secretly dreaming of Vivara. Well, what's going to happen? Oh, well, eventually she's not going to tell anybody. And then at the very end, Vivara is going to possess her or Vivara is going to do something. But here, they Jiroko just tells them. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. thought that was very remarkable because there are so many times in stories where things would have been solved if people just talked just to each other. Just fucking talk to each other. And here, like, so Phoenix refreshing. is like, Phoenix is like, I can sense something's wrong. You need to tell me what it is. And Jiroko's like, okay, I'm going to tell here you all. Is. And I, I just think that that's so amazing that they yeah. actually do that and they don't leave it for some. Yeah. It would be very predictable for Jiroko to be it's like... It's lazy, too. It's lazy to be like, well, this all this entire fucking two and yeah. a half hours could have been avoided if someone had just fucking said something. Exactly. Like, that yeah. would have taken one second to say. Anyway, I just wanted to make no, sure to good. appreciate yeah. that. 
absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, they mentioned that the dreams implied safety for her son. The imagery was often disturbing, yet offered some peace. So this is all stuff that they've described before. Liz wants Phoenix to look into Jiroko's mind to see if they can get more information than what they already know. But Devon doesn't agree. Liz is like, well, if you won't let Strode talk to her. Strode killed a man in cold blood, Devon responds. Because a demon was using him as a nanny cam, Liz responds. I love that. That's the quote that I was looking for earlier, right? That's why she shot him is because he was just like, view. it allowed them to be able to watch what they were doing too. If this is a demon and Ashley's on the bench, who do you have? O'Donnell, Liz asks. What do we have him for? Devon responds and he points at Hellboy. Hellboy's not having it. He's like, excuse me. And I love the slight smirk on Liz's face. Oh, it's good. You see how Fumara drew that little, it's such a small expression, but it's really good where she's like... I was like, uh, I didn't ask to be here. I almost know? felt sorry for Devin right there because of, <laughs> I mean, look and look at his, like you said, like, you know, Liz's expression is great because you can, just that tiny line belies an entire smirk. But then if you look over at Devin's eyebrows. Yeah. And it, like, I'm just like, whoa, I kind of felt I, bad I, for him right there. I did. <laughs> Poor Devin. Even Staz no, looks like, looks like she feels bad for him. <laughs> They're they're all kind of taking it for granted that that Hellboy is going to come back and be like a heavy lifter, right? You know, even even Devin, they're like, when's Hellboy going to do his thing? Right. He's like, I just came out of the coffin. That wasn't <laughs> even my own coffin. Nichols talks to Jiroko. He's like, you let us dick around while you knew all about this, but she's like, I just had some dreams. What do you want me to do? And Leonid, he's like, please, this isn't the time. I do like this because we see Phoenix actually talking to Eris. So usually, yeah. normally we would just see Phoenix saying that was different. Here we're actually seeing her talk to Phoenix in the panels. They've only done this a couple times. Matt talks about like the missing panels. Like they're, they're showing us some of the missing panels. Right. Yes. And so, you know, there was this tension between Phoenix and Liz where Liz blew her off earlier but here she brings over Bruiser and she's like, you got this. Man, I was so excited to see Bruiser. I don't know why. Yeah, just, he's well, cute as okay, he runs I mean, up. Pie. Yeah. Okay, I mean, of course I know why I have three dogs. I'm a dog <laughs> guy. <laughs> so Liz encourages her to do the mind reading or whatever I guess she's doing here. Ponya taught her how to do this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where she saw, like, she even saw visions of, like, Abe. Remember we saw Abe being tortured on that thing even before we knew that he was, like, a shaman that got tortured and stuff like that? So she's been able to see a lot of things through that process. And as Phoenix looks into her mind, she sees a vision of Vivara. She sees Vivara with Connor. We see Bifrons and all the undead. And they're in front of Grand Central Station. I love the color and the haziness. You know, whenever they show one of these visions, they've always kind of been like this. But here it's like a more focused one because I guess Phoenix is, you know, because of her power. So I like how that through line throughout whenever we saw the Vivara dreams, you know, they had that same tint. But here it's just way more detailed one thing i like is like um i mean you see these in like they're not like you know word bubbles or anything they're like the little you can definitely see it's um phoenix talking to Jiroko and he's, she's like easy return to the dream and all its uncertainty let it all in don't try to figure it out it's not a puzzle know that i'm with you and i, I just like okay that's that's actually really i thought that was really good yeah 
you know, she's like, you know, just, just let it come in. Don't try to figure it out. We're just going to experience it. And I was just like, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. I love this scene. And when Jiroko screams out Connor's name, I love Bruiser comes over and he's like barking and jumping on top of Phoenix and Phoenix she recalls the vision of Vivara, and Staz is like, that's what Ashley said. So again, I feel like this is another dig at Devon, because Staz is like, see, Ashley Strode was right. You know, you want to write her off, but even she talked about um, this description for Vivara. As they're talking, Leonid comes up. He thinks the little girl sounds familiar. She speaks with accent, he asks. Is obvious, no. Vivara, he says. Um, but I do like this panel where Phoenix is like, fuck off, Eris. Like, I wonder what she's saying there. That is a missing panel where we don't really see. And I love Liz's expression. Like, what the hell is <laughs> happening? It's a kind of an interesting little comedic beat after yeah, it's all good. the heaviness. Yeah. But I also like how she's saying, fuck off, Eris. And, and uh, Bruiser's all so like, Bruiser, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> has, yeah. Has Phoenix explained to anyone the whole Eris thing? That she is haunted? Right. I don't, I don't... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, by the way, like I'm haunted. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know if Ponya knew. But okay, this page with uh, Leonid explaining Barbara, like, I, I love how this all comes together here because it's one of those things where we all know who she is because we've read all the comics. But the characters in this world don't have a clue. Yeah. And and so it's just it's one of those great moments where the puzzle pieces just all click together without it feeling forced or too too much left to chance. Like it, it makes sense that these people would all be in a room together and Leonid knows what we know and he's about to tell it and so you, we get this nice kind of like relief that yeah. okay that's one less thing that they have to not know right they're getting one more little bit of information um that's very satisfying as a reader the other thing is he he mentions that broom knew about varvara and so they're all like yet again something that he should have told someone else that they're all finding out for the first time right yeah he had his secrets just like abe was mentioning earlier yeah but i do love this so we get great flashbacks to the 1946 stories um, when I do my post for the week, I'm going to have to pull all these. This one that has Yosef standing in front of the jar with Vivara inside, that one really struck me. Yeah. It looks so real. Yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. something about that silhouetted Vivara in yeah. the jar that I was just like, wow. Like, I really had to look at that. It really looks like a girl sitting inside of a jar. Part of that is knowing how to draw actual children's proportions and part of that is like you said like that realism of just yeah like, i don't know what to draw and where and when that takes so much mastery over yeah. your yeah, skill look, like, if you look at it if you look at it it's like half of a silhouette yeah with a with a diamond which is her cheek you yeah. know like if you it, i don't know if you weren't if you didn't really know what you were doing as an artist, like I would be afraid to draw that. Same, because, yeah, absolutely. Like, what are you looking at? It is it? There's a chance it wouldn't be anything. Yeah. yeah. If you look at it but long enough, I, I do exactly see what you mean, Ross. Wow, that's mind-boggling. How your eye just fixes it in your mind. Yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm so I'm always impressed by artists who can do that. Leonid says, 
Yosef was always speaking of terrible allies. We kept their escape secret because of where we found him. Leonid says Yosef was there when they fought the behemoth. That's what he calls the Ogdru Jihad that came down. He died there alongside Johan and helped with Varvara. Now I'm saying it how Ross said. With Varvara in the battle against the behemoth. Phoenix says the creatures Ashley saw weren't in hell. I do want to mention this when Phoenix says the creatures Ashley saw weren't in hell. Bruiser whines. He's like, no... <laughs> I don't know. I just like that. Bruiser knows what that they're talking about some heavy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Jiroko remembers New York from the dream. Grand Central Station, she says. Phoenix thinks it's a trap, but Liz says, screw it. Let's go. This is so great. This panel. This is the hero shot. Fuck yes. We've been waiting for this, right? I mean, what 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 can you say, Sebastian Fumara? That is the yeah, shot. they they withheld that. Even even once all the characters were back in play, they held off on it. Yeah, and it, and yeah. it turned worth it because like most superhero mm. comic books, I mean, you're gonna get a shot like that every couple pages. Yeah, they, they <laughs> right. Have, but yeah, and here they, they waited till the right moment. The restraint yeah. provides it so much more yes. efficacy i think like it's 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 more impactful for sure in new york we see that family again and it's not going well for them the wife is really regretting this now right they can't find one of the kids and the husband is transforming into one of these zombie things so that's how that's going we see that toothy Ogdruhem again and we hear von klemp talking to cronin about his previous battle with Hellboy in Conquer Worm. That's what he's referencing there. Hellboy, of course, destroyed it, he says. Now a world full of them, all dead. Such a waste. But Von Klempt is confident they will finally kill Hellboy. As your little friend promises, Cronin asks. Ha! She hides something. You must know that, he tells Von Klempt. She's led them to us and didn't even know Hellboy was... Uh... And then he bursts into flames. <laughs> That's it for Cronin. Always so confused, Von Klemp says. He deserved no better an end. It's, Jeez. It's true. Who, who I... needs enemies, right? Yeah. Fucking, honestly, that made me happy to see him burst into flames. <laughs> I don't know why, but he's just been a fucking piece of swirly Nazi shit <laughs> for 25 years. I don't know. Fuck that guy. He's been there since I'm the glad. beginning, yeah. It's such a um, meaningless death for such a meaningless character, ultimately. Love it. And yes. The one thing I will say about Cronin, I always got the impression that he had some feelings for Klimt that were a little bit more than just colleagues. Okay. That that was never reciprocated uh. by Klimt. Right. And and so it's it's sort of I'm not gonna say sad because he's a terrible person, <laughs> but it's kind of like Clint his his possibly me reading too much into it, but his possible only redeeming quality is he cares about this jar, his <laughs> head in a jar, who just doesn't care about him at all. <laughs> it is like, oh, okay. Yes. But I do kind of feel like he was pivoting. He was in the middle of a pivot. He mm. was saying, ah, you know, Vivara's hiding something. This isn't good. You know, we're not on the right side of things. And then, you know, and, and I think that that's why she burned him. I mean, obviously, Vivara did that, right? Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what is her purpose in doing that? I, I think that she felt in some way... 
that he could have influenced Von Klempt or he could have foiled her plans or whatever somehow. That's why she had to do that. I don't think that she would use that kind of power lightly. I don't know. She, you know, earlier in um, Messiah, she was like, I wouldn't, I couldn't bear to lose any of you, you know? So I think that she felt that he could have had some influence or he could have done something, you know, she's smarter than she lets on. And I think what she dismisses as, oh, there was so little life left in him. I think maybe she sensed he had some power or he could have done something. So I just, I just thought of something interesting. Um, way back in, when Rasputin was trying to make his second play or something like that. And Cronin is the one that brought, Von Klimt back in, and Von Klimt is like, why are we doing all this? Why not use this army, uh, something to make our own army credit on Earth? Why are we trying to recreate the Earth or something like that? And in the end, Cronin started to, guess, lose faith in the apocalypse, and now Klimt is all in. Right, yeah. Oh, it, God, what was that story? It was the one where Zinko blew up. Yeah, I think that was Wake the Devil, but, you know... um, Von Klemp just didn't want to be involved in anything that Rasputin was a part of. Like, he hated him. So I guess as long yeah. as it's not Rasputin, uh, Von Klemp is like, I'm cool with it. <laughs> Let's do it. Didn't, plus, plus Vavara gave him the body. So he's like, oh, Vavara, you're the best. Didn't, um, Cr- like, Kurtz, Kurtz smacked his jar with a wrench and then and then Cronin stabbed Kurtz yeah. with a scalpel or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's been defending and taking care of Von Klemp for a long time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting when his mask cracks open here. There doesn't seem like there's anything physically wrong with him, is is there? I mean, maybe he had deformities on his skin, but his skull looks like it's intact, right? Don't they show him without his mask on in the Rasputin series? I don't think so. I don't think they ever show him with his mask off. Uh. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. You do see his skull in there as the mask cracks open. As his ashes spread over the city, Vavara sighs. And we see the family from earlier have all become minions for Vavara. They're turning into demons. Wings rip out of their backs. That is one, again, since I read this all, like, in one massive sitting, that was one thing that I think I caught on when she turned them into the zombies. I was like, they're, they're not really zombies. They're all the demons from hell. Right. Put into these bodies. Right. Yeah. And here we see them like they're transforming Ooh. from what look like zombies into actual devils. They're the they're the little guys. Yeah. Yeah. Over in Bedford, Indiana, this little kid Booker discovers a giant hole in the ground. And overhead they see the BPRD ship. So this was interesting, right? This is laying the groundwork for something. What are all these holes in the ground? Uh, the kid said, nothing's coming out, Papa. So maybe um, that's just a a place for them to go when the world starts to burn. Because, right. Because what we learned back with the, the little girl um, that Abe and Howard were digging. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she was showing them a giant hole, yeah. and it kind of looked exactly like this. They're so used to monsters coming out of the ground. Yeah. That it's like... Exactly. He's like, hey, there's no monsters coming out of here. This is cool. I like that. I like no monsters coming out of the ground. <laughs> I went I went and grabbed the Rasputin trade, and the, what I was thinking of is they show a flashback of Cronin 
looking like a very generic Aryan scientist doctor guy. And then there's an explosion that apparently caused him to, to whatever, for whatever reason, he wears that outfit. Right, yeah. So they, so they don't show him what he looks like after the explosion. They just show what he looked like when he was a normal dude. Ah, okay, okay, great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for following up on that detail. That, that kid, maybe I just said that, that kid's from the Abe series too, yeah, right? he's from the thing. Oh, that's the kid. I for, Yeah, you're yeah. right. The, the kid who was like fishing. I thought you said that already. No, I didn't oh, say that. I'm sorry. I thought, because I was like, hey, that's the kid from the thing, but I didn't say it because I didn't want to say a thing that you already said. I no, I, I didn't say that. that. Okay. Abe stands with Hellboy and looks out the window. So we fly this thing in asking for another fight. Death and destruction on bigger and bigger scales. And we'll just keep doing it? I mean, for God's sake, Abe says. But we're here, Abe. Hellboy responds. Time to strap in. And he kind of puts his hand on Abe's shoulder. And then as Abe walks away, Howard's is telling Liz, I like him. Yes. It's mirroring the same. I, I love, love this, right? They they both yeah. like each other. Of course he would. <laughs> of course they would be bros. Love it. Adorable. Liz assures Hellboy that Abe will be ready. But he's right, Hellboy says. I don't want him torturing himself. Hell, we've all died once or twice already. It's true. So I had to track this, right? Hellboy died in the island. He died at the end of the storm and the fury. And for whom the bell tolls, question mark, did he die at the end of that when the shapes appeared or not? Something happened. Hmm. Liz died in Wake the Devil and was brought back to life by Roger. And she almost died in Hollow Earth as well. Abe died in Plague of Frogs when he was stabbed with a harpoon, and he also died again when Phoenix shot him in BPRD Hell on Earth New World. And you could even say that Howard's, I mean, even though, I mean, I guess he didn't die, die, but they thought he was dead when he, you know, because he was a part of a group of agents that went to go. Oh, yeah, to, you're right. That yeah. one thing. Good job. Yeah, Howard's is there too. Maybe he's talking about Howard's as well. But after this, is it really going to start all up again? Hellboy asks. And again, while he's talking, this whole scene with Hellboy, he's looking out the mirror. So when he was looking out the window the first time, he saw the Roger. The second time, he saw Hecate. So I'm wondering, like, what is he seeing now? He keeps standing there. Is he just seeing, like, weird shit every time he's standing there? And then we get this panel of Liz and Howard's looking at you. What is that panel? Time to do awesome stuff. Yeah. I kind of took that. So because Hellboy says, is it really going to start back up again? I was taking it be like, are they going to make babies and repopulate the planet? Right. That's almost what like, I was thinking, that, too. Yeah. yeah. Is that the implication that, like, you know, normies, they're all going to be dead, but... Superpowered peeps, the new Adam and Eve, right? Damn. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. That, that That's kind of how I took it, too, Ross. Very uh, smoldering look that they're giving each yes. other. Yes. <laughs> I like it. And over the Hudson River in New York City, as the BPRD ship approaches... They see a swarm, and like uh, I imagine this, like when you see birds like undulating and making all these weird shapes, like I almost imagine it like that. A murmuration. A murmuration, yeah. yeah. And they're almost like, "What is that?" And then as it gets closer, we see that it's a swarm of demons, and just like Ross said, it's like those demons from hell, but they're like human version, because this is like new pandemonium. So it almost makes me right. think like. This is a take on that. They're not exactly those little demon guys. They're different, yeah. They're like human-sized little not as cute. demon guys. They're no, kind of they're more definitely horrifying. not. <laughs> they're, they're not as pleasant. Like the other version of the demon was so much more palatable. Yeah, I think like these are just like horrific. 
And so John told me I wasn't allowed to read ahead. Yeah. So, so said, this is as far as I've gotten. I have not read anything th- after thank this. Thank you for doing that. Yes. So we'll see. So yeah, that's where we're going to leave off this issue. It obviously leaves off on a cliffhanger here because we've still got two issues for this story arc. But um, yeah, there's so much packed in these issues. I'm glad that we got to take it apart. I'm so glad that we could have you on for this episode, yeah, Ross. Ross. You really added a lot for real? Um, in talking yeah, about yeah. the art. Yeah, really glad and, that you uh, And I really this. appreciated that. So, Danielle, I will have to echo, echo what you just said. <laughs> John, I was talking to John earlier about other things, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk about this stuff today. And he's all like, you didn't read further ahead, did you? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, I stopped, and I have to force I, I have to force myself to stop sometimes because I right. really want to keep going. And but you know I, I do it for the podcast. You guys are getting my fresh take. Yes, when we on this w- stuff. when we get to the end of it, you're going to be like, I wish I could go back and spread it out even further. No, man. <laughs> when I get to the end of it, I'm going to go back and reread all of it in one sitting. <laughs> well, maybe not one sitting. Make sure make sure to listen to the podcast too. Get us some more downloads. <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, okay. So, Ross, thank you. Anyway. <laughs> thank you so much, Ross. Really, really glad that we were able to have you for this one. That is really yes, awesome. Yes, thank you, Ross, That's for good joining stuff. us. Absolutely. No, no problem. That's fun. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what you do for the Buff Raffle. Everybody go check that yeah. out on Mike Mignola's art group on Facebook. And I can't wait to get into the next couple of issues and also read all the listener feedback from all of you damn guys. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Fucking Hellboy is back with the BPRD, <laughs> and I have been waiting for this. Uh, well, not as long as you guys have, but at least two years. Boys back in town. Boys back in town. And I know you guys have thoughts, and I want to hear them. You yeah. can send us a hey, you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section and our Podbean website in our link tree on our Instagram. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Goddard from the lovely music. Thank you, Mark Trudell, for helping with the reading order. Thank you, John, for being in editing. And thank you, Ross, for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks, and, Ross. You know, uh, this is awesome. And, Ross, do you want to plug any of your sites so yeah. where we can find you? Pretty much everything's my name, Ross Radke, R-O-S-S-R-A-D-K-E. <laughs> yeah, definitely follow Ross. Making he it easy posts, for you to get some awesome he, art. He, he posts shit all the time. It mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Danielle, for being your badass self. <laughs> and you can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And also, remember to join up with uh, Mike Mignola's art and uh, participate in the Buff Raffle because it is such an amazing cause to donate to, and you could possibly win some amazing prizes. Next week, we are continuing the BPRD, The Devil You Know, Pandemonium's Issues 4 and 5. So, you know what to do, because you've already bought out the trades and the omnis and the digitals. Get those back issues out, read them up, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. I'm Ross Radke. And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying, it's good to see you again. And I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, Ross Radke, Book Club member. Book Club co-host. Yeah.